You'd shoot a man in the back. Well, it's the safest way, isn't it? You killed him! Think of them both as tragic victims of war. <laughs> I did what had to be done. My men understood that, and that's why they loved me. I would order them to go out and kill the Jordan Scots. They were children, Doctor. None of them were older than 14 years old. They knew nothing. They lived in bombed-out rooms, scrounged for food on the streets. They were filthy, and they stank. And they come back covered in blood. But they felt clean. Now, why did they feel that way, Major? Because they were clean. You're insane. You are Drex, son of Martok. That's right. I am Worf, son of Moog. War is much more fun when you're winning. You betrayed your uniform. And you're betraying yours right now. What I did, I did to make Cardassia strong. You may have escaped defeat this day, but tomorrow... We will see about tomorrow. If the Dominion comes through the wormhole, the first battle will be fought here. And I intend to be ready for them. Jisco wants to commit suicide? I say we let him. We can't keep taking these kinds of losses, sir. Not if we expect to win this. Evil must be opposed. Your family will be removed from the High Council. Your land seized. You will have nothing. I don't know how much more I can take. I don't know how many more friends I can lose. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Angry, scared. Hello, everyone. Well, you're going to get a special show today on Treks and Sci-Fi. I am here with Chris, and we are going to be talking about Deep Space Nine since we just uh, basically celebrated the 20th anniversary, right, Chris, of of the show? I, it's hard to believe. I can't I, believe it's been 20 years. I can't, 20 believe, years. I can't believe it either. Let's see. I was only like five years old then, so I'm only 25. <laughs> I but anyway, you guys are listening to Treks and Sci-Fi. This will be podcast... 420 and the day it's released is january 20th 2013 but we're actually recording it about a week before that uh, so we can do all that great post-production stuff that you guys love and you know or or just sit on it and let it collect dust you know and you know whatever (laughs) or you know or do nothing at all but um all right, so what we're going to do here is we'll be talking about Deep Space Nine basically on today's show. I don't think we're really, Chris, we're not really planning on covering anything else, right? Uh, I don't think yeah. we'll really have time for that. So you guys are going to go out, uh, you know, without the news and, you know, all those little details that I throw in, you know, most of the weeks. But uh, I'm sure you can handle that for a week. And, uh, you know, if any big, huge story comes out like, you know, who Benedict Cumberbatch is really going to be playing in the next movie... I think he's really going to be Chekhov's long lost, like you know, cousin or something like that. So, God, <laughs> Dougie Chekhov, I, I just yeah, Dougie Chekhov. You know, from from you know, he 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 emigrated from Russia to to uh, England, uh, you know, way back. And uh, so, uh, but no, we're gonna not going to be talking about that movie that's coming out in May. I got to put in for that day off of work soon too. So, you know. uh, you you reminded me. I'm going to do that. Um, yeah, I just like no, it, because you know what the funny thing is, it could be like just a day out of the blue, and I, I could have like three weeks of 
calmness at work. And it'll be the one day that, oh, such and such has to happen. I'm like, no, no. Back in January, I put in for this day off, and I'm taking it. So, All right. but uh, So you're listening to Treks and Sci-Fi, uh, the Deep Space Nine uh, celebration 20th anniversary show here on Treks and Sci-Fi. To the best crew any captain ever had, this may be the last time we're all together. But no matter what the future holds, no matter how far we travel, a part of us, a very important part, will always remain here on Deep Space Nine. We're back, and we are going to now really get into our discussion on uh, the... Let me think about it. Well, if you count the animated series, you had the original series, animated series, TNG. So I guess the fourth Trek series, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And it... um, Yeah, good show. Good series. (laughs) Yeah, I think the more I reflect on Deep Space Nine... um, it's, it, it fluctuates from being my second favorite to favorite to... I mean, you're brought up in the TOS time period. Um, I'm, I was 18 when D-Space 9 premiered. Uh, Next Generation probably is where how I became a huge Star Trek fan. Was that the first you had ever seen? I don't, I don't remember if you've ever said, but had you seen TOS before you saw Next Generation? Had you ever caught reruns of it? Yeah, of course, because it was on constantly up in New York... We yeah, had a channel where it was on like twice a day. Um, yeah, the Star so Trek thought, channel. Yeah, <laughs> when they've got nothing else, you know, you know, they didn't have as many reruns of shows to play back then. Yeah, and um, I didn't quite. I, it was I was younger. Star Wars was my thing for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I did see Star Trek. I saw there's these guys on TV in pajamas, and they fight aliens. Yeah. Um, but the first Star Trek I ever uh, was exposed to that I kind of really got into was Wrath of Khan. Uh, probably when it was on TV, I think it was the first time I saw, I think, in the mid-80s. Right. And then I started going to, I saw four in the theater, but when The Next Generation came on, I got into it for a little bit, but got out of it, but when it, maybe in the third season, I became a hardcore TNG fan. So, mm-hmm. And then DS9 came on, and I guess that's kind of like, to me, was a spinoff of TNG. I didn't consider it to be a spinoff of TOS, so... Yeah, right. I I would think, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's basically, yeah, it was, um, I mean, they had Picard there in the first episode anyway, right? right. So, I hate you, Picard. You killed my wife. Which, to me, um, we'll talk about that, but... (laughs) Yeah. um, That was a weird way to introduce a main character. Yeah, so DS9, I I got into that. And uh, really, as it went on, I, I... Really, between the Star Trek shows that were on at the time, which was Voyager and DS9, I always, always looked more forward to to the DS9 episode mm-hmm. um, because you, it became uh, you were more invested in it because it was they did become serialized somewhat. 
Um, now, were you you were, so were you real excited when they announced that they were going to do another Star Trek? When they announced that they were going to do Deep Space Nine, because there was a little overlap there of that with TNG too. Also, at the same, both of those on at the same time. Yeah, and that was a little that bit. That was well. What was cool about it was I could tell from the ads that they were running that it was going to be something that was really different. Yeah, um, they were definitely taking like the the, the uh, commercials were like a definitely like they had a different kind of tone. You could see that it is Star Trek, but it's some Star Trek. Uh, it's something new, something that is a different direction. Um, yeah, definitely. So yeah, I was excited because as a, when you're a teenager, you're like, yeah, it's going to be dark. It's going to be you know hardcore. You know, and it's going to be all like. all angsty and everything. Yeah, they're going to really get me. Yeah, and they even had basically. Well, Jake wasn't. How old was he when it started? He was probably... 14, I think. So he was a young teenager then. Okay, so they even had a character on the show that was, you know, well, not quite Wesley anymore, but, uh, you know, they had a a young guy on the show. Yeah, and... It was uh, it was it was exciting. It was exciting to be a Star. Any listen, nobody can deny that in the '90s was like the most exciting time to be a Star Trek fan, probably ever. Oh yeah, it was. It was. We we're just. It was all over the place. It was uh, impossible to you know just and on, not only that, but there wasn't that much like there is these days. There wasn't that much else. You know, right. there wasn't a lot of other uh, sci-fi type shows. Really, yeah, and, and it was just a you know so. When you really think about it, you know, like in 94, you had uh, Generations came out, uh, D Space Nine was on the air, and then just a few months after Generations came out, Voyager premiered. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like three, you know, that was like two major Trek events, a movie and a new show premiering. Um, pretty cool time. And D Space Nine was the start of all. I think it was the start of all that anyway. It's the start of Star Trek kind of expanding itself. And yeah. Definitely. Well, considering, you know, TNG was such a, you know, Gene Roddenberry kind of basically started it. He he, more or less in a way tried to replicate, but different. I don't mean to say it was the same, but it was on the Enterprise. It was on a ship. You had a captain. You had his main crew. And certainly an interesting, you know, and, and much different than TOS, but a very similar type of show. Yeah, you know, and, and Deep Space Nine was the first, yeah, where they were basically trying to break that mold a little bit more, and and really go different, and and then you could really see the potential of, oh, maybe we could get a Star Trek show set on like, you know, colony planets out there, or maybe we get a Star Trek show set on a a freighter or something, or you know, you know, but uh, well, uh. <laughs> it, but it but it was just this whole idea that you know, hey, we don't have to do a show on a you know, a, a Federation starship or whatever. It was a really kind of a bold move, if you think about it. I mean, to take what Star Trek is known for, which is being on ship, flying around, uh, meeting green people. Yeah, strange <laughs> new worlds, you know. And then what you do is you you just you take all your characters, you put them in one place, and have the galaxy come to them. Um, mm-hmm. Which is, you know, the concept for the show was like the Rifleman. You know, it was like a guy and his kid going to like an outlaw or like a like a like a far flung frontier place and sort of bringing law and order. That was sort of what they envisioned it as, like Cisco being sort of this character that was there to, you know, bring law and order to the frontier. Yeah. And, you know, of course, it it became a little bit more than that, obviously. Um, But that was sort of their initial idea was to sort of have it in a more of a Western mode. Um, Yeah. And. Well, do, I, I, before we get too far, do you want to? Do you want to? I know you had some 
you know, basic uh, stuff you wanted to cover about, you know, the premise and the start of the show. And, and uh, if you want to you wanna run through some of that, and then we can, you know, continue this uh, discussion. It's very, <laughs> very, you know, deep. Uh, I, oh, I, I'm wearing a beret, and, a, and I'm sipping a drink here. I have some uh, hard lemonade because it is in the evening instead of in the morning. I just wanted to make that clear so people don't think Rico's become an alcoholic and given up his tea. So uh, I, I had the tea for you just now. So all right, but yeah, Chris, why don't you uh, why don't you run through some of the background sure. on, on DS9 and how it kind of came about? Of course, the uh, the first episode uh, was called the Emissary, and it was a two hour premiere, just like Counter Farpoint. Um, it was a huge hit as far as um, ratings. It scored an 18.8% of the television market, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. It's in the television market, so I guess maybe that matters. But still, it was number one in New York, L.A., San Francisco. And, I, I mean, a lot of the reason for that was that TNG was consistently 11% of U.S. households watch TNG. Imagine if a show got that nowadays, a Star Trek show. It's hard to imagine because the shows that get that are things like Walking Dead and shows like that, which are just huge. But yeah, it's, it, that was a Star Trek show, and and and, and, and the rate, yeah, and the not ratings, on a not on a network, you know, keep yeah, like like you said, I mean, not even being on a regular network, yeah, yeah, I mean, but the the uh, the market was a lot less flooded back then. TNG was like not in the kind of uh, flooded. Uh, <laughs> environment that DS9 even ended up being in because there were he would they were in competition with Babylon Five, Xena, Earth Final Conflict. They were those were all syndicated shows that were clamoring for those slots and those viewers. So yeah, yeah. But DS9 did about half of TNG's ratings. Is that um, an average ish for yeah, on for the, the average? I mean, they, they went wildly up and down. Like by the end of the series, uh, those last group of episodes the what you the before what you leave behind like the last nine episodes leading up to what you leave behind were 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 very strong and and what you leave behind was like the high one of the highest rated shows of the whole series yeah so you know they did have good episodes here and they're like i'm, I'm assuming like when Worf came on way of the warrior i'm assuming that was probably a, a big hit so um there are some little trivia trivia bits here i'm going to go over that are kind of interesting i think yeah um, yeah definitely i mean some of these things are uh probably new to some people listening some things maybe people know of or have heard of before but uh it's uh so, it, it's always good to I, I always like those little i call them you know trivia or fun facts and things yep so the first one is that dr bashir uh the actor to play him alexander sittig he was the first choice to play benjamin cisco which is crazy to think of nowadays but i guess rick berman saw him playing um in a uh, British television production of A Dangerous Man, and saw him in that, um, Lawrence of Arabia. It was, a, it was on Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to ca- uh, cast him as Commander Sisko, um, but then they, they decided that because he was young, fairly too young to have that role, they felt that he was in the, only in his mid-20s, that he was a little bit too young for us. So they, they offered him Dr. Bashir, which was originally named Dr. Julian Amaros. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a part apparently with less job security um because he was the most unpopular character over the first two years they were he Rick Berman was constantly uh being told by the network to get rid of Alexander City because he was so unpopular so hmm. and I mean, yeah i've that's surprising to me because I don't know I always kind of liked Julian you know i I liked him from the beginning he was this kind of 
you know, wide-eyed, you know, guy out there on the frontier. And I kind of, I kind of always liked him. It's, it's interesting that they, that they're, you know, he was, he wasn't very well liked. Yeah, I have. I was watching a lot of my DS9 extras and interviews and stuff, and he did say that the thing about Bashir, the actor Alexander Siddig was saying that the thing about Bashir that was interesting to him was that all these other characters, Odo and Cisco and Kira, had in the DS9 Bible they had pages. And Bashir had like a paragraph. <laughs> they really didn't care too much because they just because his character was basically like, well, we need to have a doctor on a Star Trek show. Yeah. But they didn't really figure out what they wanted him to be. And, and eventually they did give him some interesting character traits like being genetically engineered. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, he definitely got a lot of more, you know, kind of meat on his bones as, as uh, you know. And heck, he made, he married Kira eventually, you know, in real life. At in least, real life, so. and then they got divorced. But. And then they got divorced, yeah. But uh, yeah, one of that reminds me of uh, uh, there is a one of the episodes where Kira is pregnant. She blames Bashir for <laughs> the pregnancy. Yes, something blames says it's all his fault, which is a funny little aside since he did actually get her pregnant in real yeah. life, which is why they had that that little plot and another little side note do you know that what their kid's name is considering there's a movie that i just recently saw they, they named their their son Django. that's awesome and the d is silent <laughs> well I yeah hope he's unchained. yeah i hope he's unchained too yeah i hope he's not yes. yeah so uh all right continue we're getting we're get, we, we we talked before we started the show everyone who's listening uh that we would try not to get sidetracked because trying covering deep space nine in you know an hour and a half or so for the anniversary is a little difficult as it is but we yeah. we, we said we're going to try not to get sidetracked so okay stop we stopped that sidetrack <laughs> um, more right. to come more to come but like I was saying, the show was originally planned as a Western. Uh, long before Firefly, the Star Trek producers had the idea to make DS9 a sci-fi Western, uh, making it the Rifleman in space. Um, in the original versions, the main setting was to be a frontier outpost somewhere in a desert on Bajor. The 24th century of Fort Laramie would have been filmed on an exterior set somewhere north of L.A. But then they decided that, gee, filming outside location every mm-hmm. week probably too expensive and not a good idea so that's yeah that's they... uh yeah you know it it would have been really different if they said it just on a on a on a planet you know i mean you know at least once they were in on a station they they could have little shuttles around you know the runabouts and eventually get the defiant and there's at least some space stuff going on but it would have yeah, been really different if uh if it was on the planet and I, well, I wonder if that was the case. It maybe it might not have. It might have been too different for people. I think to be associated with Star Trek on a desert. You know what I mean? It's because you know they would just have episodes where they were in the desert. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah, and they still ended up doing a, a pretty fair number of episodes set, you know, on you know some planet, whether it was Bajor or some other, you know, place. Especially when the war stuff started and things. But uh, there were there were there were quite a few episodes set you know, on ground. There, there definitely was. And, and I think the station was the, obviously the best choice. Yeah. Um, so number, the third one I have is that Loxana Troy was supposed to be a major recurring character, sort of like Jake or Nog, you know, she was supposed to be always pursuing Odo uh-huh. as a love interest uh, and finding reasons to come back and see him. Um, and in the Bible, it says he tries to discourage her. Ma'am, I turn into a liquid at night. Waxana, I can swim. <laughs> <laughs> That's just gross. That's something I don't even want. I never want to. I 
don't want that image in my head. I don't, I don't uh, want to see get it. out so, of my head. Yes, exactly. Well, you know, she only she only ended up in maybe a handful of episodes, right? I mean, three, it, three times. You know, I mean, it, it it's interesting that it was you know at one time a, a recurring character, and it went all. Did, was there any? Did you have any kind of a note written down about why they ended up not doing that? Was it just to difficult to script her in all the time or, or any um or was I've, it the I've, actress been, was it was it ba- um you know was it majel barrett roddenberry or whatever she just didn't uh, want to or doesn't I, really I, say and well it probably does in my book i was looking through but i don't have that exact it seems like I, it seems like it, it, it unless she had a purpose to be on the station like she opened a shop you know loaxana troy's you know uh rings of beta Z or something you know i mean you know she she'd need a little shop there on the promenade but i mean i, I can't see them working away it was kind of like wharf working him into all the tng movies all the time oh mr wharf it's good to have you back with us hmm. I, I was blah blah blah, blah, blah. I, I happen to be in the area captain it is a good day to die you know i mean how many times can how many times over seven years can you write that you know so yeah that yeah so i think that's probably if i was going to guess i'd say that maybe they were like well it's going to how the hell the hell close is Bajor to DS9 to begin with? I mean, she's just coming over for coffee. Yeah, she just beams over, you know. Oh. Maybe yeah. they could have put her on, on Bajor. Maybe they could have, she could have bought a little house on Bajor and just popped up to the station now and then or something. I don't know. You know, she showed up three times, and one of them where she was having her woman time and then making everybody in the station crazy. That was one of my least favorite episodes. Um, yeah, so, yeah. You know. I mean, she, it's always fun to see her, but you know, not yeah. every, not not too much. <laughs> okay, let's see what else I have here. Kyle Paca was originally a man who gave naked people foot rubs. <laughs> I don't. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, I have to say, I've never heard that one before. Yeah. yeah, Kyle Paca was originally conceived as being a male spiritual leader of the Bajorans. Visitors to the Kai had to get naked as he probed their paw through deep tissue massage of their feet. Did they, you know, I can't believe these guys, when they write stuff like that, were like, you guys realize this is a TV show, right? You know, back in the day before you could, you know, even now, I mean, you know, there's only so much you can show on TV. So So they decided once the uh, Kai was a woman, the nudity got axed and the spiritual location of the pa moved to the ears. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Everybody knows. I think a lot of Star Trek fans know this: that Dax's spots aren't weren't uh, just hand drawn; they were also numbered. That uh, Michael Westmore he drew all the markings personally by hand every week, and uh, or every day rather. And um, he would number his work with Roman numerals on her collarbone. And when when uh, she left the show in season six, he was up to four hundred and seventy nine. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yeah, and then in the, in the episode where she was in a bathing suit, he drew the swirls down her legs and feet using a sharpie. See, man, if I would have been doing that, I would have just like made like a, a like a pattern out of paper, poke some holes in it, get it, get spray. a can of spray makeup or whatever, and go. There you go, honey. You know, whatever. So <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there was going to be a musical episode on the show. There could have been anyway. Ronald D. Moore was pitching a musical episode over and over again. His idea was that there was a, some tech virus that infects the crew, and they can only communicate in song. Ah, oh, well, they did. Uh, you know that that's kind of well. They, you know that's happened on a few other franchises. You know that kind of a thing. It, it obviously it was on uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a pretty famous episode of that, uh, where there was a uh, a demon that that made everyone basically could only communicate pretty much through song. And then they also did it on that show um, Sanctuary. 
that show had something like that. I don't know. That that might be good. I mean, they had you know James Darren on the show. You know, he's he's good at singing. So yeah, there was a lot of music in that show near the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. The first object to go through the wormhole was a cow. <laughs> so um, in '93, they used mostly miniatures because it was cheaper and, and easier than CGI because they weren't really there yet. Um, but yeah, one effect in DS9 that was computer generated was the wormhole. And the ships moving through were still models. So to check the interior lighting conditions and object passing through the wormhole, the FX company Rhythm and Hughes, they needed a test sequence. And at the time, they lacked any Federation spaceship in their library, so they combined two objects, a cow and a biplane. And they called it Arrow Cow, and that was how they sort of... Tested out their effect and... Their effects, yeah. Huh. A little interesting tidbit. And... um, the science officer could have been in a wheelchair bound. They were going to sort of use the idea that they used in that episode Melora, who yeah. she came she came from a low gravity planet and she had to be she had the brace and everything and that was going to be sort of the science officer's uh gig before they narrowed her down to, to a trill. So So she was they wanted to have perhaps like another sort of handicap type character on, on a show, perhaps with that. Or or were they, well, I mean, handicapped in a way in in the normal environment, rather than you know, not I guess, an alien that that had different gravity. They were just you know, kind of like Jordy and his eyes on TNG. And, right. Okay. One last uh, thing here. The show apparently is full of Man from Uncle references. Um, one of the co-producers of the first season, uh, Peter Allen Fields, started out his career as a writer for the Man from Uncle. He made Garrick, the Cardassian spy, a tailor as a cheeky nod to the United Network Command for Law Enforcement headquarters being hidden behind the front of Del Flores' tailor shop. Del Flores is also a shop on the promenade, and another little reference to the man from Uncle is on the ATM located in Quark's Bar. There are symbols for different species currencies like Klingon, Vulcan, Ferengi, Bajoran, and the Uncle logo is on there too. So I guess... He really liked putting the Man from Uncle references. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I only really watched that show a few times. I was never it was never something I got into uh, when it was on in reruns or anything like that. But uh, but yeah, they you know th- these guys that work on these shows, I like it when they put in those little little things like that, or, or they'll they'll have a line you know or something uh, you know like you said the thing about uh, when Kira blames Bashir for getting her pregnant you know little little <laughs> inside stuff. Inside baseball, you know. Yeah, I, I dig all and, and And it seems like shows do that more than they used to nowadays. They're a little bit more meta nowadays than they used to be in the old days. A little bit more yeah. self-ref- self-referential. Than, than a little more winking at the camera kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, if, especially in genre-type shows, like we've kind of seen, if you've been watching sci-fi or fantasy shows or anything, you've yeah. seen so many. So they're kind of like, yeah, you, you know a red shirt's going to die in this Star Trek movie. Yeah, we're, we're gonna... used to it. We're we're looking for it, kind of. You know, we kind of almost are expecting it. We don't, you know, come on now. Or when they use, like, a name of a character from, like, you know, some other show or a famous book or movie or something like that. Right. I, yeah, I, I like that. I like I like that little little things here and there. And uh, it doesn't bother me unless it gets too out of control and becomes like uh-huh. family Family Guy or something where they're referencing things. <laughs> I won't preside over the demise of Ferengi civilization. Not me! The line has to be drawn here! This far and no further! 
<laughs> so, um, so what was your, um, if you had to narrow it down to like a favorite episode, could you do that with DS9 easily or? Uh, I could probably, uh, I could probably come up with, with a, with a handful. I don't know if I could say that there was just one that, that would be like, if I could only have one episode, you know, the, yeah. I, I think the first one, um, that comes to mind is the is the and I and I have trouble with some of the titles of their episodes. So help me out. Is it is it um, far beyond the stars or what? What's the one yeah. where Cisco is the writer? And, far and, beyond the stars. Yeah, that one. That episode is 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 not only like you know a great story and and just you know the what they're trying to say there you know and and just the whole race thing and, and just. But but not only that, is it just you know Avery Brooks just just kind of sometimes he just like can kill me with how good he is you know and yeah. how strong of a performance. I think the guy frankly is little little just offbeat. I've seen him at conventions and I mean yeah. he, he's he's definitely not your average you know everyday guy or whatever. <laughs> what human being, damn it. You can deny me all you want, but you cannot deny Ben Sisko exists. That future, that space station, all those people, they exist in here. In my mind, I created it. And every one of you know it. You read it. It's here. You, you, you hear what I'm telling you? You can pop a story, but you cannot destroy an idea. Don't you understand? That's ancient knowledge. You cannot destroy an idea. That culture, I created it, and it's real. Don't you understand? It is real. I created it, and it's real. It's real. Oh, God. But man, he, is he, not. he he and I think that adds to his probably ability to do some of these acting jobs in a way. Maybe I don't know, but yeah. But that just that episode always, I I get a real kick out of an episode, and I'm trying to think of other examples. Too much hard lemonade right now, but uh, <laughs> um, but they did it. You know, it came up in in Trek a few times. It's come up in other series, but I really get a kick out of it when they and they did this on even Deep Space Nine a couple times. They did it that one with our man Bashir too, but. I get a big kick out of when the other when the characters play different parts. Like wow. they're not playing their normal characters, but they're sort of like their characters in a way, exaggerated or not. Kind of like the Mirror Universe Deep Space 9 episodes. So yeah. those those episodes like the Mirror ones I enjoyed a lot too on this and and our man Bashir is 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 something that I kind of have a I get a kick out of that because I like Bashir and I like the the Bond kind of take on things. Um, and, um, and then I really liked the Kira episode and I even did a podcast on it a long time ago, Duet, I think it's called, where she's dealing, she's dealing with the Cardassian guy and all of her, her hatred for, uh, for the Cardassians kind of comes out, but then she kind of starts to feel for this guy, this Cardassian too. So it's, it's just, again, you know, a great story and the acting in that episode, um, kills me. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, Deep Space Nine, the, these characters became so well-defined, and, and they got 
pretty quickly well defined too. It didn't take very long. No. I, I think they actually got well more defined quicker. Did I say that right? <laughs> I think they got more quickly defined than on TNG, by yeah. far. I think the 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 actors. I think that Bible stuff that you're talking about, as far as um, what all these pages of background they were given and and the stories they were given to tell, I think they they really got a handle on the characters. I think the actors really were picked well for the parts. I mean, I think they've always done a really good job with that in Trek in general. Anyway, I think they get great great actors great yeah. great casts but but for some reason they, and i think that allowed them to really do some some great character episodes and, yeah. and that so yeah i mean there's a, just a ton i love the pilot i like emissary you know it's a strong pilot i, I, think I like yeah go ahead go ahead i was gonna say i think that of the of the star trek series i think the emissary is probably the strongest pilot um i, I mean i'm not including uh tos in the in these other in the rest i think that encounter farpoint um isn't 100% watchable to me nowadays. Um, Especially when you know where the show went and the kind of episodes and the character stuff they did later on and got so much more interesting and deep. Yeah, I agree. Because it's kind of like Picard is not... He doesn't doesn't come off as a... It's interesting to watch. It's not not even really... Even beyond the character stuff in that episode in, in, in Farpoint... To me, it's not a really a great story. It's not it's that not. it's not really that great or interesting of a story uh, on its own. Just the plot isn't that interesting. The <laughs> Q stuff I like in it. I think the Q stuff is interesting, yeah. but the rest of it, yeah, you know. Yeah, and um, I think in the emissary that you know Cisco starts off like I was starting to say before. Um, we were getting off track earlier, but <laughs> no, <laughs> saying, not us. I know. No. Right? Cisco starts off, and and uh, he has reason. I mean, all of us would understand if he was pissed off at Captain Picard because Captain Picard basically killed his wife, Locutus. Yeah, yeah. Even if he was Locutus, yeah. So, you, but you you're, you have a main character, your 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 hero character of the show, more or less, and and then you bring in your other hero character, Captain Picard, who by this point is beloved by all of us Star Trek fans. Oh yeah, and you have and you have a guy who is like, you know, screw this guy. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not going to respect him. I don't care if he's a captain or not. I'm going to just. I'm going to. Uh, so you're. I'm like thinking they set him up to hate the character that everybody loves. Um, but Cisco actually does go through a small bit of growth just in that episode alone, and then it kind yeah. of he kind of shifts his mindset. And that kind of thing was allowed to happen, I think, more on DS9 than on Next Generation. I think that characters got to grow. A lot, obviously. There's no question in my mind that um, Gene Roddenberry was a was a great creator, um, but his he didn't like characters to have conflict between. That's why TNG is like everybody's hunky dory for the most part. You know, yeah. The no conflict thing is a problem, and and the other thing too. I I always think is that Deep Space Nine, just about all those characters, they're pretty messed up, and, and they're they're broken. Is the word I like to use? They're all they're all kind of broken, Absolutely. especially when the show starts, and that is interesting. And yeah, definitely not like TNG was. Like, could you imagine like if the show had ran for seven years and Kira was so was still like angry all the time? Yeah, and she was always you know? <laughs> she was always angry. She right? was like, 
yeah, she played angry good, you know. So like, and and like you said in duet, she kind of got to face her anger of the Cardassians, and once she realized that it was being misplaced on this guy that was was like you said, he's he was a broken character, the guy who was pretending to be this awful character, this gull that was a yeah. murderer. Yeah. Oh, no, don't you see? I have to be punished. We all have to be punished. Major, you have to go out and tell them I'm Goldayil. It's the only way. Why are you doing this? For Cardassia. Cardassia will only survive if it stands in front of Bajor and admits the truth. My trial will force Cardassia to acknowledge its guilt. And we're guilty, all of us. My death is necessary. you're asking for is another murder enough good people have already died i won't help kill another he was guilt-ridden from what had happened to the bajorans it's much more of yeah these characters are much more gray you know and there there are none of them are black and white none of them are just good or just bad you know, you know o- O'Brien is, you know, he's probably the, the he's the regular guy around, um, among the crew. But, I mean, he has, like, a normal, like, home life. He argues with his wife. You know, he has mm-hmm. a kid. You yeah. know what I mean? He has all those sorts of problems that everybody else has. So you kind of relate to O'Brien. But he's not a perfect character. He, he He's 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 a racist against Cardassians. Oh, yeah. Know? And he's kind of a messed up guy, too. I mean, they did some episodes. That one where they, they go into the background when he was a prisoner, wasn't it? Right? I'm trying to remember that episode. Uh, I'll always remember that episode because I saw it when I was in uh, in California. The first time I ever saw it was when I was visiting a friend out there. Isn't it weird though when you watch something? You watch it every week in the same place and time, but if you watch something somewhere different, trust me, you'll always remember that. (laughs) But yeah, that one where he was he was basically a prisoner of the Cardassians, wasn't he? Is that right? Is that the one where they're like the wire or something? Is that what it's called? They're like pulling his teeth out and stuff like that. I I remember that episode. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's uh, so yeah, he's you know, and his family life was never always going that great. You know, it was it was rocky and messed up uh, a lot of times. Yeah, and I mean, and it was kind of refreshing. And to me, like you know, TNG is like you know, everybody on that show is like maybe the quarterback of the football team yeah you know yeah. you know i mean everybody's i mean maybe not jordy <laughs> jordy gets a shaft but I mean, i've always said to the uh the yeah you're right the they're all they're all pretty darn pretty darn goody two-shoes superman clark kent types but absolutely uh, but the i've always said though both with not just trek but other tv it's a reflection a lot of times of of the era and the times too mm. You know, yeah. TNG was in the good old, you know, Reagan 80s, you know, for the most part in the early 90s. I mean, it's like everything was good, you know, people, you know, I mean, it was just like everything's fine. Nothing's wrong with the world. You know what I mean? And then Deep Space Nine comes along in the 90s and, you know, it's like, you know, uh, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I don't <laughs> think I really like this and I don't like my job and I don't like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. but yeah, no, it, it's Deep Space Nine, you know, really rich, deep characters stories yeah i'm not sure that you know and and none of that would have went on on tng and i think that that they were very strict with that bible 
And um, as far as not wanting the characters to have conflicts with each other, no, there was a few episodes here and there where there was some sketchiness between Riker and Picard. Over you mean TNG? Things. Yeah. TNG. Yeah. But I mean, like, on DS9, you know, you start off a lot of these characters in conflict with each other. Odo and Quark and Cisco and Quark. Yeah. And- Most of the time on TNG, it had to be something was causing it. Yeah, there was like something with, like, going on like, that was weird. Yeah, yeah, like the Riker and Picard with the whole with the Pegasus thing was really the only time where I ever saw Picard kind of like really be super angry at any of his uh, staff when Riker wouldn't kind of give give up what the Admiral was uh, hiding. Yeah. yeah, and he was like, "Listen, I'll boot you off this ship. You know, if you, you know, that's fine." Number one. I will reevaluate <laughs> the command structure of this vessel. You know, um, make it but so. It's just, yeah, but I, I think that the, the coolest thing about Deep Space Nine was that you did have these characters starting off in conflict. Kira didn't particularly care for Cisco or Starfleet or any of it. And, you know, by the end, she's wearing a Starfleet uniform, I mean, more or less, in this, some of those episodes. And they all become very close. And, you know, I mean... Yeah, yeah. I, now I there's, think that, yeah, it's, it's real... Um, there's a real growth and real change and real, you know, difference between the beginning and the end of the series, you know, there's just a huge, huge amount of things that happened to everybody. Yeah. And I mean, it's, um, it's just one of the, like, I think I had to do with why I love deep space nine is that I always loved when, like we were talking about earlier, when they reference something on a show and you go, Hey, remember when we were down on Cestus three and we did that? And I'm like, Oh, you know what? That's that episode. I think that, you know, that happened a couple times in TOS, like some little, yeah. You know, little references are on TNG, but it didn't happen very often. Like I, I thought that when they followed Best of Both Worlds with Family was a great thing on on TNG because it was sort of like sequential. It was like, okay, Picard had this horrible thing happen to him, yeah, and now he has to deal with it. And it actually did have to do with the story that came before, which was not the case very often on TNG. Right. So, yeah, I loved I loved the fact that they didn't just sort of stick that away and everything's just fine. By the time we get to the end of the episode, everybody's back to, you know, it's a reset. Everyone's yeah. back to the way they were. No, this didn't really, yeah, not no big deal. Just got all these <laughs> Borg things shoved in me. Got my <laughs> mind pretty much controlled and, you know, whatever. Man, yeah, yeah. no no big thing. No big thing. No big thing number 1. I'm all right. <laughs> Let me have a cup of tea. But I oh, mean, gray hot. He had to have that little catharsis in that next episode. I think it was a good way to follow that up. And I think DS9 did a lot more of that. I, my, one of my favorite episodes is, um, oh, crud, In the Pale Moonlight, sorry, um, which is the one where it's sort of this, the one where Cisco and Garrick get the Romulans to come into the war. Yeah, that. yeah, that's the one. I don't, yeah, I think sometime maybe just last year, not too long back, I, I covered that one. Yeah, that's a good, ep- good episode. Yeah, great episode. And, Real, that, real one of those, like, gosh, are they really going to do this kind right. of an episode? You know, are they that really going to do that? Allowed. That would not have been allowed on a Gene Ronberry run show for the, a, a Federation captain to be party to murder. But I think that Cisco, the, the first of all, the episode, the way it was set up is, is great with him narrating his personal log and them kind of right. running over yeah. events. And then at the end, he gives that monologue. Garrick was right about one thing. A guilty conscience is a small price to pay for the safety of the Alpha Quadrant. So I will learn to live with it. Because I can live with it. 
I can live with it. Computer. Erase that entire personal log. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's basically taking it on himself in a way. Yeah. He's he's kind of like this needs to be done. It's kind of like it's a, it's the classic of it's a dirty job but somebody's got to do it, you know, type and, of thing. And and you know, he's kind of um you know, kind of like doing the crap Jack Bauer had to do week at, you know, week or day after day, I should say on 24, you know. It's like no one else is going to do this, but I'll do right. it, you know. And there's a lot of people now I remember that some people from friends of mine, I was actually in a Star Trek fan club back then, a physical Star Trek fan ah, club. Ah, you geek. You geek. I know. Nerd. Yeah, <laughs> well, if you want to hear what's even geekier about, that's where I met my wife. So there you go. Oh, I know. I never, I never heard that one. All right. Yeah. So if it doesn't get, so that's, we're very, we, you know, so it's nice to have a wife that watches uh, Star Trek and has as big, as a matter of fact, when we actually uh, got married and moved in together. We had too many, so many duplicate Star Trek books. We had to give some away. So <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. So is she is as big a fan of of the other series too? She's, I mean, she's, all um, of them too. Not not just um, you know like Deep Space Nine or whatever. She likes Deep Space Nine the best. Um, yeah, her favorite. She likes TNG. She loves you know Data and Picard is her favorite, of course. Uh, but she likes DS Nine. Uh huh. She doesn't like Voyager at all. Um, hmm. and she sort of likes. Yeah, she sort of liked Enterprise, but I mean, you know what's really interesting about that? I didn't mean to interrupt, but the but the it's it's interesting to me how many you know they made Voyager with a with a female captain, and I'll tell you from somebody you know I talked to a, obviously a fair number of people you know that know Trek and like Trek, but it seems funny to me how many women don't seem to really like Voyager or Janeway very yeah. much. You know, I don't know what it is. I'm not a woman, so I can't really comment. I was fine with it, really. I, I kind of enjoyed Voyager. I mean, I think there are, you know, good episodes in there, some pretty fun stuff, and, you know, and, and maybe some that aren't so good. But, I mean, I, I really like the premise of it. But I just I just had to say that I, I just found it interesting that she wasn't really a big fan of Voyager. Yeah, she's not. She doesn't. She doesn't like Janeway at all. Um, interesting yeah yeah but she's definitely a ds9 her favorite you know she likes dax and Uh uh-huh so but i remember when we were having um when we had one of our get-togethers uh we were discussing because ds9 was was nerd nerd meetings you mean yeah whatever you want to call it okay (laughs) i didn't wear a uniform or anything we just kind of got okay today we're going to discuss the third episode of season four (laughs) <laughs> mostly what we did was it was a lot of believe it or not most of what we did was mostly like community stuff charity things like that well, um, good for we, you good for you yeah, yeah but most but we did get but a lot of it was you know it was based on being star trek fans and i remember now because when you're walk- doing those charity things usually like you, know, you go to those places they won't beat you up those people you know? right exactly you can sh- i can show up in my my starfleet uniform and uh yeah. i won't i won't hey, get chased kids yeah and they think it's cool if i have a phaser on my hip yeah but um the older fans, the older start. Now there was a the, the age range went from you know teenagers through you know fifties at the time. I think uh-huh. maybe it was, and the older fans were like, I don't like that Cisco that the, a captain with Federation is supposed to be blah 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 better than that. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, it's that's not a per. You can't. The whole universe isn't perfect. And like you were saying last week about. Um, on your podcast about how some fans are downing the J.J. Abrams movies. 
mm-hmm. and yeah. saying, there's this, always going to be somebody that downs something, right. you know. I, and you I know. see it all the time on, like, if you ever go into a comment section anywhere where there's a, a story on the new Star Trek movie, you're going to see, this isn't my Star Trek, this isn't Star Trek at all, this is... Star Trek died, died in 2005, you know, or or if they want to go back even further, they'll say, Star Trek died in 1969, you know, that kind exactly. of that kind of junk, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and their point is that because it's an action-type movie, that um, it doesn't jive with the philosophy of Star Trek. Now, and so I can understand their point, but the point mm-hmm. is this. We did get a movie that was 100% the philosophy of Star Trek on a, on a motion picture screen, and that was Star Trek The Motion Picture. And if I remember correctly, not a lot of... I mean, Star Trek fans don't love that movie as, like, one of their favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, and, 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 and I think that Star Trek works great on the small screen as far as you can explore a lot of things like that, but when it comes to a big-budget movie, I hate to say it, folks, we got to have some action, you got to have some daring-do, and, uh, you know... Right, and- well, even even the, you know, even the movies that most of the TOS cast did, you know, beyond even the first one, were yeah. were pretty pumped up. You know, Wrath of Khan is an action adventure kind of movie. There's not really when you when you break it down. uh, I'll just say this. I mean, you know, I love that movie, but if you see kind of look at kind of that movie in terms of what was done in 19, you know, 81 for that movie and what was done in 2009, they did the same thing. Pretty much. You know, I mean, it, it, it was like basically, you know, here's a big bad guy on another ship. I mean, I'm not – all the details, of course, are different, but I'm just saying they they realized they needed after the first movie to pump it up a bit and make something a little bit more swashbuckling, a little more adventure and yeah. and that's that's fine. But there's always going to be people, you know, like you – getting back to what you were saying about the episode where Cisco, you know, tricks the Romulans yeah. to, to help them against the Dominion, but – there's always going to be people that are going to say that's not track or that's not the way a captain should be. And my, I have a couple different answers for that. My, my, or my way of looking at it at least is first off, you know, look at the news, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I, am not saying, you know, we're, you know, we're in the Gene Roddenberry era of Trek and all, but I mean, there's, there's all kinds of people out there doing nasty things and there's a lot of good people too. And, and what I try to tell people, you know, or, or think and say to people you know, there's billions of people on the planet. Most people are pretty good. Most people go about their daily thing and go do their thing and whatever. We right. hear about the bad things. We hear about, you know, unfortunately, we hear about, you know, some unusual bad things. So, 24-hour it, news cycle. Yeah, it happens. It, it's not um, – and, and to uh, and to have a TV show that can – it always just is one side of things would be kind of narrow-minded. And I think it's, um, I think it's more interesting to have, obviously – differences in people who have interesting things and stuff but the key thing to me about that episode you know the romulan thing is that he wasn't happy with what he was doing no he didn't was... he, he he it was killing him it was yeah. bugging him to death it was eating him up so he did what he had to do but that doesn't make him a in my opinion like not a true like you know starfleet captain not um, or or an evil person, you know what I mean? He he was taking something on that that was was really going against basically his his nature. So yeah. so that that to me is the difference, you know. When, yeah. You know, people just saying simply, "Oh, they wouldn't just do that," and I'm saying, "Well, you gotta 
when when you're seeing your comrades, when you're seeing your whole life, you you, you know the Federation, the planets, ever, being wiped out, yeah. and, and you're saying there 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 is a point or a line, you know, the line will be drawn here. <laughs> you know, I just had to say that. But you know, I mean, it's like you, you've got to realize that there's there's a point where people will push back and and do what maybe they wouldn't do under normal circumstances. Yeah, and and I think that. It's the episodes um, where they had um, the founder or the shapeshifter sort of crisis on Earth, and Cisco says has a line where it's easy to be a saint in paradise, which means if you're living on Earth, yeah, of course, mm-hmm. you know, listen, look where you look at your surroundings. But Cisco's not on Earth; he's at the, he's, he's not a, even in Federation space. No, he's, he's out there on the line. He's out right. there in 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 you know territory that's that's basically you know people are fighting over and and he's (laughs) he's on his own for the most part so you have these these federation uh, citizens and humans that are are uh, of a more evolved sensibility than ours and they do uh have uh, these beliefs in equality and and the right to life and things like that Mm -hmm. um and freedom and you see on ds9 what having to go through a war does to those people and that's interesting you know like the one uh siege at ar558 i think when they have that ground battle with the gem hadar and it's like yeah yeah and you see what you see what what the toll that it takes on people that are maybe of a more peaceful mindset to have to actually be in a war and actually have to kill and see their friends get killed and I think that that it wasn't like um Cisco was locking and loading and you know they they i don't think they ever treated the war as something that was to be had fun with um no a, no and they never even really had like a gung-ho kind of military element to it really that much they never had like you know you know you know the this the, the thing that they'll show sometimes in either military shows or movies where there are these guys that pretty much like killing people yeah <laughs> you know what i mean i mean there's there's that element that they could have they could have done an episode like that or had some people but they never really did that at all no so so that would be to me that was that i don't remember i don't remember anyone ever really being you know you know getting that you know d space nine um to me um i'm I'm gonna get flack for this but i don't really care because i get flack a lot from people it's fine i think that as far as uh, philosophically exploring things i think that it's the closest successor to tos in my opinion, when you talked about Far Beyond the Stars, it not only did it in allegory, it did it head-on, which is uh, uh, the, the, the uh, issue of racism that existed. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Acknowledging no. that you know we have, uh, in the 24th century, uh, a, a black captain of, uh, of a space station. He's a captain in Starfleet, and it's not even a thing. Um, but, you, you know... Mm-hmm. And it just attacked. I don't think that, that that other other series have done it as well as DS Nine did it in some of these episodes. Um, that one, especially, and um, oh, there's another one where I really I love what they did, and I can't remember it. There's so many good episodes, and I, I didn't write yeah. them all down. Yeah, but- there's there are there are a lot. You know, Deep, Deep Space Nine, and the, the thing about Deep Space Nine is it's that that I find interesting about it is it's really hard, especially in the later seasons after Worf came in and the war started and the Klingon stuff and other things. Deep Space Nine is one of those 
I can pop like a single episode of TNG in and watch it and be satisfied and okay, that's good, then we're done. Me too. But yeah. it's it, especially once you get to about the midway or even a little before that of Deep Space Nine. Some of the earlier seasons are kind of pretty pretty much single shot, but once yeah. you get later on, it's like uh, it's like picking up a book, reading the first chapter, and then okay, that's good enough. I'm done. You can't really do it, <laughs> right? They, you know, you know and, and it's good. And it's it, it's it's I like that, and I miss. Uh, it, it, in my opinion, in a way, if they were to, to do another Star Trek series, I like that style better. In a way, I find I it think, more interesting. I think it shows growth. It shows that things are going on. That, like you said about the family episode from TNG, that there's repercussions about you know what happened last week. You know, yeah. versus, and I know the reasons why TV does things the way they do. You don't need to tell me that. I've known that for a long time. <laughs> you know, but. Um, in these days, I mean, we're, we've got some pretty meaty TV shows on these days. And if you look at most of them, the ones that, that are really getting, you know, the accolades and the ratings both, which is kind of nice. I like the fact that they're shows that are both being, you know, critically, you know, liked and the people, people are enjoying them too. I mean, the two are going together for a change, but what I'm getting at is, is a lot of those shows are basically ongoing stories. They're they're not just one shot episodes, really. Good, good luck, good luck watching like episode five of a season of Breaking Bad. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. I mean, I mean, it's like I, you know, thank God that they recap these things, even when I'm steadily watching it every week. You know, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, and uh, <laughs> they heck, Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad uh, pull stuff from like the first season sometimes. You know, and you're like, oh, oh what's yeah, up? you know, I that guy I bumped into at the you know right. the, at the at the car wash back in season one. Well, he's going to come in now again or something. So you know, I, I mean, the, that's the cool thing is that you know you you always hear TV is is, is stupid and TV uh, is dumbing down things, but I think that the drama. Now, I I agree with that when it comes to um, reality television. It's some of the worst crap out there but the dramas that are being shown nowadays mm-hmm. i think yeah. are very smartly written um and like for people to sit i mean okay like downton abbey i i'm addicted to it my wife and i are and <laughs> my really wife is, is really getting in getting into it now too yeah it's a it is a glorified soap opera mm-hmm. but it's written it's written very well but i mean like breaking bad um walking dead these are shows that don't take their audience for granted they don't take they don't think that they're just a bunch of dummies and they don't have to over you know what i mean and that's sort of like when it's sort of like to me like the best sequel is like empire strikes back it doesn't even listen it jump it pushes you right in there it doesn't give you like hey remember we blew up the death star last time yeah let's just sit around and talk about that now (laughs) you saw the movie you know what happened the same thing with like godfather 2 things like the really strong sequels are ones where you know there's not a rehash it's like we're moving forward. We had that. Now we have this. And these. Yeah. Are just when you think everything is just fine, nope, a bunch of crap is going to happen to you now. And, so, and I like that yeah. with TV shows. And I think that Lost got lost a little bit, but at least it tried to have a continuing storyline. It tried to have something that, that you had to sort of pay attention. You couldn't not pay attention to Lost if you wanted to at least know what was going on. Yeah. 24 shows like that that were sequential. Um, yeah, no, there's, like, but yeah, but Trek though, I mean, they just, if they, you know, if they were going to do something again, I think they need to do something a la Deep Space Nine. I think they need to have some interesting characters, you know, some kind of story arc situation going on. Kind of like Doctor Who, I think, ha- has a good balance of it. 
I don't know yeah. if you watched that. I can't remember if you, you do, but I did uh, the Doctor Who podcast with Meds. Uh, oh, that's year. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> I. But you were weren't you just kind of getting yes, into it I, then? You were kind of a late guy to it, I right? Was very late because okay. What that now I remember. From, yeah, um, I was having surgery and I was going to be off of work for a month, and it was the first time I'd ever. Yeah, been right. You weren't you weren't there in like when it first came when mm-hmm. the sort of restart of it happened in like uh, whatever two thousand and. Five, six, whenever that was, yeah. You but, give me three days and I will digest. <laughs> but I was going to say that that show has become sort of a nice mix of of arc stuff, you know, ongoing things and individual episodes too. And uh, you know, I like a little bit of both, and uh, you know, a little a uh, little chocolate with my peanut butter or whatever you want to call and if it. If you didn't do that, I would. Oh, I w- I've always been a big proponent of a Star Trek like anthology type show, but that would never happen. But it would be cool for different little. To see different little things in the Star Trek universe, but that would be so uh, pie in the sky. But I think that would be kind of neat to see too. It would, it would, it would be. You mean sort of almost even like, uh, yeah. I mean, I even if they kept it in like three or four different kind of main things, yeah. you know, like hey, here's the here we're having a, our ship episode or ship we're following the USS Farragut or you know whatever the USS Prometheus that has all the aliens down below or something. And, and bring it, bringing it back to DS Nine. And they yes, did, very good they of you pre- to do that. Yeah, sorry. But they <laughs> did that. They did that with episodes all the time. They had an episode called It's Only a Paper Moon where it was all about Nog and Vic Fontaine. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and it was a great episode. Oh, yeah, I remember that it was, episode. It was when Nog lost his leg, and he, he was dealing with that, his post-traumatic stress, and he didn't want to leave yeah. the holodeck. And that was a really, really great episode, and it, it didn't need to have any of the main characters in it. It had supporting characters carrying the whole episode. So on that note, why don't we start looking at some of the characters? Yeah, yeah, now that we're... <laughs> <laughs> Since we're... we're, we're let's like get an hour in or something, but yeah, let's yeah. Get, let's get out of the weeds here. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's start off. Well, well, we all know the main characters, but what the heck, I'm going to go over it anyway, because we are talking about DS9 as a whole. Yeah. And uh, why not give some information? Like you said, we do have people that listen for the first time just a couple weeks ago, which is awesome. I love that. We have new listeners all the time to this podcast. Yep, yeah, we do. We do. So... So let's see, the, the the primary cast, if you want to call it, I guess, the people that get to be in the credits, anyway. Yeah. So our, our captain, uh, Avery Brooks, started off as a commander, but he got his rightful promotion in, at the end of Season 3. This Benjamin Lafayette Sisko, uh, the first officer, uh, Nana Visitor, plays um, Major Kira Norris, later Colonel. And Rene Albert-Janois <laughs> plays Constable Odo. Uh, Alexander Siddig, he started off as Siddig El Fadil. I guess he Hollywoodized his name, I guess, later I think on, so, yeah. I think there were, yeah. Well, he's a Middle Eastern background, I think, or uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So he's Julian Bashir. Terry Farrell plays Jadzia Dax. And then after the seventh season, or after the sixth season, our spoilers. Old man. Uh, she is replaced by Nicole De, De, De Boer or De Bear, and that's Esri. And then um, good old Michael Dorn came in in season four. Yeah. Our pal Worf. Cole Meany plays Miles O'Brien. Uh, Sirok Lofton is Jake Sisko. And Armin Shimmerman is Quark. And now my favorite. My favorite part are the supporting characters. And there is a lot of them. But, you know, and I looked at this list. And I, put, I had this long list. Of, I'm like, that's too many. But I said, there's not any I'd want to leave off because. Go for it. 
you know, okay, so Max Gradenchik plays Rom, one of my favorites. I love mm-hmm. Rom. Yeah. And Aaron Eisenberg is not just talking about him. Andrew J. Robinson is Elam Garrick, and Garrick got a lot of play in the later seasons especially. Yeah, I like Garrick. Garrick was yeah. one of my favorites of those supporting characters. I would have watched a whole Garrick episode. Right, I would have watched a Garrick s- series. Yeah. <laughs> not so just, Steve- we we'll called it, not just a Taylor. <laughs> Chase Masterson is Lita. Um, Mark Alimo is Gold Ducat. One of the best bad guys I think ever is Gold Ducat. I mean, mm-hmm. he had yep. some. He had so many gray areas where you you sometimes were like he's a really he's not... strong actor too. He was yeah. a, he was a good he was a good adversary and you know counter to Cisco. I just yeah. think that they just played off each other really well. Always, I, yeah. Yeah, I wish that they hadn't gone the Pa Wraith way with him. Yeah, but... I know. I I'm with you on that. Yeah, but because I think he was such a strong. He was. You want to talk about broken? He had lost his daughter. He went nuts. I mean, it was a really cool sort of way they were taking that character, and then yeah. he became he became like you know super ghost man. And anyway, he became um, basically a freak. We'll just call yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Penny Johnson Gerald plays Cassidy Yates. Uh, these Jeffrey days on Cole. Castle, she's on Castle. Yeah, she's on Castle. Yeah. yeah, she's the and, chief or or whatever captain captain of the police station. Yeah. And my this is my favorite guest star in all of Star Trek history is Jeffrey Combs. Um, he's, uh, yes. uh, he's Brunt and Wayoon. And, uh, like oh, Wayoon, I forgot about Brunt. Yeah, he was yes, Brunt, too. Li- yeah. li- liquidator Brunt. Um, but Wayoon, I, get, you, I put him up there with Ducat as far as just a bad guy that you just love to hate. I just He's just Wayoon so is, slimy. He's just, yeah. he, 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 I think I, 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 I disliked him more more than, than the Cardassians even as a whole, he just Wayun just seemed like you know that slimy used car salesman kind of well, you guy. Know what he is, you know why? You know what he is? He is the guy that is the bully's best friend. Exactly, how, you're how right. That is exactly is. what he is. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm his, I'm this guy's I'm the I'm the Dominion's buddy. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. If you would just let him come to the playground and kick your ass for a little while, <laughs> exactly, would it would be it would be very good if you did do and that. Did, and and uh, Jeffrey Combs, uh, I, I love him in Enterprise. Um, he's yeah. just one of my favorites. I could watch I could watch him uh, read from a book. I think he's just yeah. Great. I agree. He's 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 certainly de- he's deserving of doing a lot more than you see him pop up and stuff. I, 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 I just think, think so. he's a, he's a great actor. I go all the way back to Reanimator with him. Back yeah, to yeah. Um, Louise Fletcher, another kind of crummy character. Kai Wen hated her. Yeah, hated her. Hated her. Hated her. <laughs> because I mean, you know what it is. I, 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 it's probably not fair to Louise Fletcher, but she is Nurse Ratchet. And I well, see you know that, what? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. She is definitely Nurse Ratchet. I but see that fa- I see that face, and I think. And for people who don't know what we're talking about, tell them what we're talking about. Or one flew over the cuckoo's yeah, nest. Yeah, with Jack Nicholson, uh, great movie, which everyone should watch if you like movies. Yeah, if you like, if you are into a good storytelling and a, a movie and, and, and acting and yeah, and basically, uh, it's not, it's not, it's not a happy movie. No, um, it is. But it's a great movie. Yep. But she is. She plays in in that movie. She plays a sort of a a. Her name is Nurse Ratched. 
but it's ratchet as far as I'm concerned. And she really is like a she's a hatchet faced mean woman who runs this uh, this ward of of mentally ill people. I just didn't like her on DS9 because she always had that smile on her face. She always yeah. like was like smiling. And you know what? I don't trust anybody that smiles that much. Not only yeah, and and Kai and Kai Win or Kai Win Kai Opaka was such a sort of a nice character, and yeah, she is not. And we talked earlier that Major Barrett's Loxana Troy showed up a couple times. Mark Allen Shepard played Morn. <laughs> yeah, Morn. Uh. Which the the uh, disambiguation of his name was they based it on Norm from Cheers. Yep. He Norm, Morn, yep. Uh, J.G. Hersler, Martok, another one of my favorites. Love yeah. Martok. Yeah, Martok's great. Kenneth Marshall played Eddington, another slime ball. Yep. Uh, Casey Biggs, Damar, you want to talk about a character who had some ups and downs. Damar, holy mackerel. He went from being Dukat's toady to being like mm-hmm. the head of the Cardassians and being the Dominion's toady to yeah. sort of, in the end, sort of redeeming himself as part of the resistance, which I thought was yeah. a nice little, nice little thing for him. And what did I just read something about him? The, I'm trying to remember. He, he's married to somebody. Uh, I'm trying to remember who he's married to. Anyway, continue and I'll look. Robert, Robert O'Reilly showed up as Gowron a few times and got killed by Worf. Spoiler alert from 1999. Um, Philip Anglum played, uh, played Baryle. Um, oh, yeah. Good old. Yeah. yeah. Salome Jens played the female changeling. Uh, Barry Jenner, Admiral Ross, cool sort of fatherly admiral that he was. Uh, James Darren, Vic Fontaine. I can't re- Duncan Rager, I think is how I say that, is played Shakar. Uh Wallace oh, Sean. <laughs> Rock oh, he's uh, Casey Biggs. He's yeah. he he was married. I guess they got divorced. He was married to Roxanne Dawson. That's right. He was that's right. That's, that's he's married to uh yeah. To, they got divorced. To Roxanne yes. from uh from Voyager. Yeah. Uh let's see, where was I? Uh, Wallace Sean played uh Grand Negasek. Always those funny episodes when he showed up. Um, and then there was two actresses. Yeah, played Wallace Shawn. Yeah. Oh, God. His voice. <laughs> Never get into a land war in Asia. <laughs> hey, I'm yeah. the Grand Nagus. <laughs> Quark! <laughs> yeah, he do that pretty good. Quark! <laughs> I could never yeah, tell uh, if it was his voice on its own or if it was with all the makeup on or both or whatever. But the, Well, I don't know if you, you know. see him in, Prin- in Princess Bride. His voice is pretty much the same. You yeah, know? it is. He's got – well, he also – were you a Eureka watcher? Were you somebody who watched – did you watch I Eureka? Never, I never – I never caught that show. He turned uh, he turned up on Eureka in a few episodes towards the end of that series too, and uh, and yeah, he's pretty much the same. So yeah, never battle get into battle of wits with a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> good. I might have to do, have you do the you know the fake uh, you know you're listening to tracks in sci-fi yeah. for profit. <laughs> you know it's not the it's not the first time I've heard that. Apparently, when I get overly excited. Um, I sound sort of like him. Apparently, at work, one of my uh, <laughs> one of my coworkers was laughing because I was getting worked up over something. He says, "You sound like that dinosaur from Toy Story." I go, "Oh my god!" Do I, <laughs> you say so. Yeah. I guess I must work up. Don't like confrontation. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That guy, same voice. Yeah. Uh, Brock Peters plays uh, Joseph Cisco. Oh, Brock Peter. Peters too, an excellent. Uh... Vader on the uh, radio series. There's a little tidbit for you. Yeah. And Admiral Cartwright, let's not forget. And Admiral Cartwright, the traitor. And um, 
if you want to go way, way back, to, uh, one, uh, to Kill Mockingbird, which is another excellent movie everybody should see. He's yep. in there. And my last one I got here is Tony Todd played old Jake Sisko and Kern, Worf's brother, of course. So, that, oh gosh, no. I forgot about that episode. Oh, we got to say something about that episode. The the visitor. Uh, the visitor. Oh my gosh, that episode. That's that's kills maybe, me. Maybe that, that one's at the top of my list instead of that other one. Yeah, that I I don't know why you know. But this is yeah. uh, one of the reasons that makes Cisco I think stand out among the captains is that he is a parent. Um, yes. I mean, yeah. So that episode with Jake again. This is not, this is an episode where you don't even see for most of it. Sirach Lofton playing Jake. You see somebody else playing Jake. Right. You know what I mean. And yeah. it's, it, this is what DS Nine did so so great. And and you, and 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 the uh, and as a as a parent, I have four four kids. You have children. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Cisco is sort of trapped in this nether realm, and Jake is spending his life instead of and in the end, instead of having a happy life, he's obsessed with trying to rescue his father. Right. And all Cisco really wanted for him in the end was to just live his life and be happy. And that's what every parent wants. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And that's a, it's a real, real touching episode, especially at the end when, when, when Jake does sacrifice his life to save his father, I think that's a uh... Jake, you could still have so many years left. No, we have to be together when I die. Jake, you didn't have to do this. Not for me. For you and for the boy that I was. He needs you more than you know. Don't you see? We're going to get a second chance. Jake, my sweet boy. It's real, and then when Cisco comes out of it, and, and he somehow he remembers everything that happened, and he's back in the uh, yeah cur- in the current time. And I mean that's a that's a really fabulous episode, and and I think that that's got to be if it's not the best of the show, it's in the top five for sure. I think it's pro- I think that if and the fans voted, and I think let's see, I had this written down that what the fans fans picked Trials and Tribulations as their favorite, but the Visitor was right up there. Um, yeah, I mean that's for, from a from a fan kind of fun thing to see. Trials and Tribulations is is kind of a cool fun episode, but if you're looking at the you know the the meaty kind of stuff. You know, I mean, yeah, the, shoving Deep Space Nine characters into an old TSO TOS episode and making it somehow work and look yeah. right. Yeah, that's pretty crazy and pretty cool. But the first question was, well, can we do this? Is it is it economically feasible? And at first, I was the guy that said, I don't think so. We decided, well, let's ask. Let's ask the visual effects guys. And they got really excited and they said, oh, we can do it. We can do it. We'll show you. We'll show you. And they came into the office and they said, okay, let us show you what we can do. And we're watching a scene from Trouble with Tribbles, and it's a scene on the bridge, and Kirk comes out of the turbo lift, he walks around the rail, and it's just one long tracking shot. He comes out of the turbo lift, around the rail, goes and sits in his captain's chair and sits on the triple. And, and he kind of sits up and looks around. And scene ends. And we go, uh-huh. Yeah, that's 
trouble with tribbles. So what's it? And he, Gary just got this big smile on his face and goes, oh, you didn't see it. And he runs the tape back. And as Kirk comes out of the turbolift, he stops the tape and he points to this guy in a red shirt and he says, that's one of my guys. And we were literally stunned. We could not believe it because none of this guy, there was a guy standing in a security uniform who just sort of looked at Kirk and nodded to him as he came out of the turbo lift. And it was so seamless, even in this rough and dirty test, that you never knew that the guy didn't belong in the set. And that was the moment we all went, we can do this show. That was like, whoa, it's going to happen. And from that point forward, it was just like a train. We just never, never got off the train from that point. And whatever obstacles came, we just knew we were going to get past them. So we'll do it in the fourth. Just like in Enterprise when they you know, went back and found the Defiant on that two-parter, that was awesome. But Oh, that, that's uh, But that's still, they're, they're, uh, they're, the visitor, though, I mean, it's like, you know, get a box of Kleenex. Yeah, that's that's... <laughs> That's great drama. Um, I cried so much. <laughs> hey, listen, I mean, I'm a, man, I'm, a, I'm a man. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I, I, uh, I get a little misty, but you know, Star Trek. That listen, I'm a dope. I mean, I, I get misty uh, in, in the Dark Knight Rises when Alfred is sad that, he, that Bruce Wayne is dead. I'm like, oh no. When he's so giving cool. him that speech, yeah. he's like, I'm, I'm, I've looked up to you for my whole life. I can't I'm, do it. I can't do yeah. Michael Caine, but you know, it's like. When I heard your cries in your room up those stairs, <laughs> uh, no, I can't do it either. It's not right. That's pretty good. That's pretty it's good. Like, was it? Yeah. You got a but second anyway. second calling as an impressionist. You got you got uh, yeah. Michael Caine and, and Wallace Shawn. Yeah, maybe yeah. my Morris Schwarzenegger's not terrible. Yeah, you know? but you know, it's, it's get to uh, the yeah. chopper. Come on, Sid, get to the chopper. See, I'm not that. That's not it. It's more like the subdued, which is we're going to go back to these sorts of things over here. And I'm um, over here in California. It's fantastic. I got this guy over here. He's my Secretary of State. Oh know. my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's years. I'm sorry, of Maria. I didn't mean to cheat on you with that. Uh, you know, the maid. What was? She? Yeah, the kid. I mean, the kid looks just like me. It's crazy, it's crazy. But um, okay, folks. I, uh, just spun off, off the rails track. just a tiny bit, you know. Back to Trek. Let's yeah, see. Anyway. Let's figure out an Arnold connection to Trek. There's a good trivia question. There's got to be one. Come on. All right. Let's see. Let me see. Let's do seven degrees of Arnold and Star Trek. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Let me. We're, I'll, I'll think on that while you continue. Go yeah. ahead. So um, let's see. What were the other top episodes? While we're on that, while I was on that. Well, earlier. do you want to talk about? Um, you went through. You kind of ran through all the characters you want to talk about. You want each each of us to throw out some of what we what are some of our favorite characters, or uh, yeah, yeah, do something go, like yeah. That, maybe something like that, perhaps, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, let's I, do that. I, I, that that's. A, one of the things as as you were going through all those characters and even just it, if, even if i just stick to the main cast and i think one of the reasons why this show is so so well done and the characters are so well defined is it's really hard for me to pick favorites you know cuz they're just all so interesting and so good you know what i mean and mm. uh it it's you know i always liked you know Avery Brooks as Captain Cisco. I just thought he was a he, he was an interesting character. He was a different kind of captain or commander yeah. when he was a commander. So I kind of like that. Odo was interesting, but Odo always I found kind of I had a hard time with with Odo in, in some ways at, at certain times. I mean, I, I just I, a little I, one note. A little, a little of that. I mean, later on he got more interesting, and it wasn't that he was bad or anything there, or not interesting, but I think that they, they kind of painted him into a little bit of a corner, uh, kind of to a degree, and I, sure. I, I think he was kind of a hard character to do things with too. 
So uh, I think, you know, but, uh, and I like Dr. Bashir a lot, Dax, Kira, they're all good. I mean, they, you know, it's, uh, it, th- those all, I probably all probably like equivalently or whatever, but uh, mm. Quark, I was always kind of okay on. I kind of like Quark because he was kind of, you you kind of just didn't really know it, which way he was going to go. Was he really trying to help people out or was he always just after money and, you know, gold press latinum for himself? So, uh, but, uh, yeah, so I don't know. And, and, and Chief O'Brien, I liked having the connection to to a character from TNG. And, of course, yeah. most people know, but, you know, Kira was at one time going to be Ensign Rowe. You know, yeah. that, that, that story's pretty well known. You know, they were trying to get... Uh, Michelle Forbes to, to to replay, you know, or redo her Ensign Row that they started on TNG and bring her over since she was Bajoran. It would have worked pretty well. But it, the story I've always heard is she didn't want to get tied into a TV series at the time. That's that's what I've always heard. So she wasn't interested. So Yeah, uh, that's what she said. She had no interest in doing a weekly TV show. So. Yeah, which was like, you know, a regular paycheck for an actor. Seems silly, you know. Yeah. I don't I, <laughs> It's funny that it's funny when you you know you, 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 I think you, if you interviewed nine out of ten actors they would have said yeah give me that gig seven years pretty much I mean on a TV show I mean you could probably buy a nice house and, yeah you know, yeah you know yeah. I mean it's a job yeah, there's but, certain people that just aren't cut out for certain things I guess yeah. you know I mean the, the other one in Trek history was when they got uh, what's her name French girl uh, Genevieve Bujol or whatever to do yeah. Janeway for those first few days and that just uh-huh. didn't work out have you ever seen that footage it's oh pretty, my God. it's pretty horrible I mean it's like it's I, I would she would not have it would not have worked she was first of all I mean I think w- w- she's her, just she this was, little tiny thing she just doesn't command it, right. you know you, you just you know I I I like Voyager I like Janeway I was fine with uh, you know she's a little too Catherine Hepburn sometimes but you know <laughs> check out day <Yeah>. old poop <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah let's yeah. get a, let's get a boat and go down the river you know or yeah. whatever but uh but anyway now spinning off again we're we're sorry folks but uh well not, not really but you know hey if you want something different do your own podcast exactly so yeah, uh but anyway back to the characters the you know they're all uh they're all pretty good i mean i i, I you know it, it's hard to pick pick favorites yeah. You know, well, it, it all. I will so. pick a favorite though between Jadzia and Ezri. I will always pick Jadzia. Yeah, um, yeah. That that was that was really a shame. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to recall the story there because I think I've related on the, on on the podcast at other times. But I believe she needed some time to do a movie or something. Terry Farrell did, and they wouldn't let her, and so she left. I think. I, but is no, that right? I, no, I no? think that if, now I might. This is just. I'm sorry, I, folks. We should we should have better information for you. Go yeah, ahead. What 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 have you heard, or what do you remember? I, I, I remember I, when I heard she was offered that role on that Becker show, which did commence. The next okay, it season. wasn't a movie, a TV show then. Right. All right, and she took it. It was that comedy with Ted Danson, which right. I think it's not that good. I watched. it. I thought it was horrible. Yeah. Um, but I think what it was was she was thinking, well, this is DS Nine, is and she had a six for some reason she had a six year contract. I'm not sure if they all did or if she just did. Uh-huh. She had a six year contract, and she and you know there was one final year, and she says, well, I have this opportunity to go to another show and have some more money. I think is or, or have some steady work. I mm-hmm. think is what it came down to, and I think that's why she took that. That's why she left. But was, were there ever were they ever trying to work it out so she could somehow do both, or was that not a possibility? I don't think that. I don't think that too it was too complicated. I think you're talking too about too doing two too much time shows, too yeah. contracty, or whatever that they. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and I mean, first she had. I mean, 
for a character like her, her character, I thought she had a cruddy death. I mean, um, they yeah, wanted. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to do that. I mean, you know, it it it, it yeah. I, I I kind of agree. I mean, you know, it's. Um, I, I mean, I know why they they probably didn't want her to just go out in some kind of blaze of glory and a runabout explosion, you know, saving somebody or whatever, but so they could keep the uh, the symbiote going. Yeah, I get it, but. They had to come up with something, and having her uh, force lifted by, you know, Gull Sith. Yeah, uh, you <laughs> Gull know, Sith. I like that. Yeah. Whatever he was, I mean, it was like, it was it was not I am your father. I did not care for her death. Um, there are characters like there's there's tons of like side characters on Star Trek who've gotten like really cool deaths, and she got a cruddy one i mean you know so yeah, i think they were a little upset with her probably oh, I, do you think <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean uh yeah and and what do you think so i'm gonna ask what do you think um my, my opinion on wharf coming in um at first mm-hmm. i was actually to be honest with you not really a fan of it yeah because i was really attached i did like d space nine a lot i didn't think it needed to have anything added to it just like uh-huh. i didn't th- you know i didn't really feel that there was anything wrong yeah it's it. a big change you know they bring wharf yeah. in and that in about the midway point i think what season four the beginning of it was season it four. yeah and uh and then the whole klingon you know problem start and all that right. and um but uh yeah, so you weren't a fan, but at first, I mean, mm-hmm. of the idea of it, I'm going to say I wasn't a fan. Yeah, uh-huh. because I, th- I can I see that. Was... I mean, it, it's it's, and I got to believe that they, the people on the show, were kind of like going, ah, well, they're bringing over this guy from TNG. What are they? What are we chopped liver? You know. Right. So I was afraid that it was going to become like Deep Space Wharf, which it didn't <laughs> become. They actually no, not at all. I mean, he didn't. You know, there were obviously quite a few really interesting Wharf. Klingon slash episodes, you know, that they did. Yeah. They used him, but it didn't become, you know, Warp Space Nine or whatever, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I liked... Or Warp um, Space Nine. What did I say? Warp Space Nine? <laughs> it's like what you, you get said the joke. About... You get the joke. Yeah. <laughs> what you said about the characters being broken, they brought Warp in in that sort of a same situation where he's uh, depressed that he lost his home, uh, the Enterprise. Yeah. Um, and he was looking for for he was going to leave Starfleet. Prune and, juice, please. Right. Yeah. So he brings. So Cisco is able to give him a purpose. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought it was a really. In the end, it was a really great way. And I think that Worf became a pretty cool addition to the show, only because he was. It was just first of all, he's familiar. We all love Worf. And the greatest part, I think, what I wanted to think of Worf is that on. Worf was on on TNG, and I think that as a security, this is off track, but as a security officer, he's subpar. Um, People are always beaming on the bridge, and he's missing them. (laughs) He can't hit them with his – I'm like – And he usually gets tossed into the the bulkhead. He gets gets smacked over the side, you know. Usually the only time Worf really shows what he's good at and capable of when it's other Klingons. Exactly. When it's other Klingons, he can, he, he can do his job sometimes. But, but yeah, I, I know what you mean, though. I mean... Like, Ferengi is beamed onto the bridge and, like, Worf shot at one, he missed it. It's the classic problem, though. That's the classic issue of, uh, you know, when a TV show, it's like, oh, in order for us to have, like, something happen in this episode and something bad to go on, guess what? 
the guy who's in charge of security, safety, da 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 da, is got to look like kind of a hack a little bit at times because yeah, if he was really really good, nothing would ever happen. I guess. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you got that little problem. But they did turn him into a little more of a badass on D Space Nine. Sure. Um, yeah, and and they hooked him up with Jed Zia too, which I really like that that whole thing. Yeah. It's, it's also why I think it was so hard when. When Jed Zia got killed, I, I think that made it even worse. It was like they had gotten married, da 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 da, and it's like she's dead. You know? Yeah, it's I like, uh, really. I liked. I liked them. I liked. I'm not a big fan of, of romantic subplots that take forever to to um, materialize. I'll have to dig a little bit, but I'm always curious. I'm wondering if if they ever consider just recasting her. You know, TV shows used to do that kind of stuff. I guess maybe they don't do it as much anymore. But you know what I mean? Actually just yeah. bring in another actor and, and you know, a la Doctor Who and say, oh, this is the new Dax or whatever, you know, and yeah. not, not kill her. Maybe she just got like a little disease, bang, bang, bang. They bring in somebody that kind of looks like her. They they pull out the worm. They throw it in the new girl. And, <laughs> you know, there we go. And I'm still well, married to you. And, hey, you you look pretty much like the old one and whatever. I mean, I, the- I, I don't know. The original um, makeup for Dax was actually very um, not flattering at all. It was going to be like the uh, whole forehead deal, if you remember the episode. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But then they said, well, look, we got this really beautiful woman. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's won like beauty pageants, I think, in the past yeah. even. Yeah. Can, we, like, can we do something to keep her face on screen? Hot. We want to keep her hot for the fans, right. you know? Exactly. I mean... But no, I'm not sure if they're going to recast, but I think that that is. No, cool... I'm just curious because I, I, I just always wonder when when they knew that that was going to be a problem is the first answer. You know, there's there's two or three things they could do. You can kill her. Mm-hmm. You can like shove her off. You know, she can just take off. She's not dead. She's just not on the show anymore. We you got to be reassigned to, you know, this other ship or something like that. We need you mm-hmm. out here. You can yeah. just, uh, leave her, you know, eliminate her out of the out of the show. But she's not dead. Or, you know, you recast her or something like that. From what I understand, she, Terry Farrell, had wanted to sort of some, have a cameo of some sort on the last episode. Um, but they did, there was a, apparently some bad blood there. And they like a not. little holodeck scene or who knows. Some, there, there's a lot, I mean, it's sci-fi. They can do a lot of different things, you know. And I think that, that I think that she, that if she wanted that, I think they probably would have been good for them to fit her in since you know she was a major yeah, i was part. okay with esri but it was just you know she was in an impossible like situation yeah. you know it's like you've got this woman who you know this actress and this character that's been on here for six years it's married on the show at least to one of the other characters oh we just killed her now you're gonna sort of take her place good luck yeah. with that <laughs> well i think that and then what ended up happening in season seven is we had to get some episodes that were about esri sort of becoming Dax. And I'm like, you know, I wonder if these episodes would have been something, these episodes could have been taken up by something different if we didn't have to deal with a whole new character being Dax taking up. You mean like, okay, she killed, she's dead, Jedzy is dead, the worm got killed too, and we just got a new science officer on DS9, right. Esri, blah, 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 Smith. Yeah, and, what and, I mean and, is because she's Dax, Yeah. now you're like, well, now she's the main character. You know, because Dax was a main character. Automatically, this new character becomes a main character. Now we have episodes that are like Esri's dealing with her past memories. Her mama or whatever it was, right. that one I remember. Yeah, I don't know what. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a lot of that. And I was like, uh, you know. I was okay I mean, with it. I mean, I, I guess the, being a sci-fi show and the fact that she was this, you know, dual 
you know, alien thing or whatever. Um, that, I mean, would I have just rather, I guess I like it probably the way it went more than if they had just like got up, oh, she's gone period. And here's a new character completely. Cause if it was a new character completely, you would have probably had to do stuff with that character too, you know? Yeah, you, you would no, have been like, oh, you know, might even even been more they would have had to done. Maybe I don't know. It's my it's my um, anxious personality. I knew it was the last season of the show, and I'm like, they're taking up time with this new character. <laughs> Go I mean, away, Esri. Go away. Yeah. But I mean, you yeah, know, she was. Um, it was fine. I I, I actually, if I think, I think that if it happened like in the third season, fourth season, it would have been more interesting. Maybe to have two different characters playing the same sort of role. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But you know, because it was the last season, I felt like they kind of jammed a lot of that in there. Not that Esri didn't. She had some interesting episodes, like the one where she was hunting this serial killer. That was sort of interesting, and mm-hmm. they made her a counselor, which was sort of interesting too. So I mean, you yeah. know. Yeah, they, it was it's Deep Space Nine's quality show. They figured out how to uh, make it make sense, but you know, it. Uh, I don't know how much more can I say. I mean, <laughs> about Deep Space Nine, it's good. We like we like it. We like it a lot. You know what? When you were running through, one thing I was going to say, Chris, is uh, it it probably compared to maybe TNG, compared to Voyager, definitely compared to Voyager, and definitely compared to Enterprise. There's a crazy amount of guest, like semi to to partially recurring characters on this freaking show. Oh my God. Did you mention Frank Langella? I can't remember if you mentioned. No, that's right. He was. You, you, you know, I, I'm looking at. Uh, I'm cheating a little. I'm looking at IMDb. Robert Foxworth, uh, Brian Thompson. You know. Uh, I mean, I mean, there's, you know, and, and, and good, good actor Sloan, you know, popped up in here. Core was oh, there, man. you know, from the original series. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, there's a crazy amount of, of these extra, you know, Keiko. I don't even remember if you mentioned Keiko. Uh, I didn't. Rosalind Chow. Uh, but, you know, I mean, TNG never had. And and that's partly because of the setting. They're on this station. People come and go. Hey, look, it's such and such again that we saw back three seasons ago. Or you know, it's it's such and such's brother or cousin or uncle or something like that. You know what yeah. I mean? So uh, you know, they they really had a great great run of uh, of actors here on uh, on this that I've seen in a lot of other things. Uh, you know that that have gone on to do a lot of other cool shows and and movies and things like that. So uh, yeah, it'd be so, cool. I just what do you? I just kills me that they don't do like <laughs> like like a cartoon series and just have a mashup of like TNG slash Deep Space Nine slash Voyager and just bring all these actors in and do some voice stuff and somebody uh, can computer generate some pictures and bang bang you're you're good to go. I mean, why not? What's the matter with these people? All right. There's my soapbox for the, for this episode. <laughs> but I agree with you. That would be. I mean, why? Why not? I mean, I I just don't understand why. With you know, practically people can do it on their their home PCs these days. And, and what's the problem with these guys not doing an animated show? You know, I I just don't get it. So yeah. Well, you know, it's it's funny. You know, I remember when DS9 was on the air, and I I think at the time DS9 was on the air, it wasn't getting the recognition that it probably deserved. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was because of the Trek saturation Voyager, um, they say, you know, UPN pushed, you know, they were really, Paramount was really all about UPN. They were pushing Voyager as like the Trek show. Yeah. We have our own <laughs> network now. Ha ha. And we have our so, own Star Trek show. Ha ha. Yeah. So 
Yeah, so DS9, I think, sort of got kind of like, yeah, we also have that other show. Yeah, and it's kind of winding down, though. So, so you I, know, watch our but, show, though. But but uh, those, but th- when you think about it, and I think that I think that because of that sort of redheaded stepchild thing that had that DS9 had going yeah. on, that like they were able to sort of do more with their concepts um, than Voyager. And I mean, I'm, I mean, I like Voyager, like you said, I like Voyager, I like Janeway, fine, but. Thing I liked it about yeah, go ahead. Sorry, it doesn't compare to as far as I'm concerned, quality wise, story, character, um, consistency of character um, between Cisco and Janeway. It's yeah. just not even a competition. I really like the Voyager premise, but I think they they mishandled it just a little bit. I I, oh. I I think they didn't do enough, and I have with the opportunity of being so far away from home. Mm. It, it was mostly just stuck on the ship show, get back home, get back home, get back home. And I can right. understand that a little bit, but I wish they would have explored more and and gone to more planets and seen more yeah. things. But, I, I mean, I know, again, that is all related to TV and a TV budget and things and all that stuff. There's all, there's all kinds of reason. But if you set yourself up with that concept, here's what these guys have to realize and figure out, too, especially before they ever do another live action show. Their don't, captain. <laughs> don't give yourself a concept that you can't really fully execute. You know what I mean? The, yes, you know, exactly. You know, you know if, you, if you're out there in the unknown, you, you, then you better have the budget to do some of that now and then instead of just, okay, let's just keep going home. Let's just keep going home. Oh, there's a cool planet over there. No, let's just keep going home. <laughs> Janeway, yeah. as she says in the episode, was a science officer on the Albatani, and they set her up as a science officer. She's. I've never seen a character, a science, scientific person less interested in science. They're in the middle of nowhere. They're yeah. seeing new stuff all the time. She, I, I always felt like she should have been showing a little bit more interest in what was. And she, you know what I mean? It was always like. Yeah, I know. Yep. I, I would have believed it in the, near the end of the show if you said she was to be a tactical officer. Because really, I mean, she was all about blowing stuff up. You know. What I mean? Yeah. And, well, but um, there was something I was going to ask you about DS Nine that I was going to. Uh, oh, I know what it was. Do you want to quickly mention, and I don't know how much you've ever read or heard about this, but there was always, and you mentioned this way back at the beginning of the podcast a little bit, mm-hmm. about there was always this sort of controversy slash storyline about Deep Space Nine and Babylon 5. Okay, yeah. No, I, the I whole Deep up. Space Nine, Babylon 5. So what what is your take on that? The basic thing I'm trying to get at, folks, is is the whole thing of who copied who, and did anyone right. copy anyone? No, so I mean, so the uh, go ahead. What do you, what do the, we, um, what I heard is there's a, there's a couple different sides. Obviously, there's the two yeah. sides of the story, and because there was the a lawsuit, I think even at one yeah. time, if I remember, J, right. uh, J. Michael Straczynski did pitch Babylon Five to Paramount as a Star Trek show. This is what he says, and they didn't go for it. So he he started he took it elsewhere to develop on his own. Um, and from what I understand now, now the, the, um, the Star Trek side is they say, listen, we were developing a, a, the third series before ba- JMS came to us with the Babylon Five yeah. concept. And yeah. like, I, like what I was reading earlier, the, the original concept wasn't a space station at all. It was it was on a colony on a planet. It was on a planet. Yeah. So I'm not sure if if the station idea came up after you know. But if you do pull the two shows and look at them side by side you can't really argue that there are similarities mm-hmm. um yeah but i'm not sure whatever i don't i'm not sure if whatever came of the of the lawsuit i do i just kind of always wondered that because like i have looked at it and i've heard oh ds9 copied bfb5 yeah 
I, I don't that's... think I, I from what I recall, I'm pretty much uh, in line and and have uh, and agree and have heard similar things of what you're saying and. The the lawsuit stuff, I believe, never really got anywhere right. from what I've ever, you know. And back in these days, I was going pretty regularly to some local Star Trek conventions and things like that. And it got, you know, tossed around. You know, you'd hear people talking and some actors would be asked these questions occasionally and stuff like that. So I don't think it was really what some pe- – some, I've heard some people make it out to be. I, I yeah. think it's – I don't think it's really that – they're that similar, and I, I think there was just this is sci-fi, and why is it so hard to believe? Hey, we're going to have a space station. Oh, we're going to have a space station. You know what? It's not like you know. There's there's. It's not like it's so unique. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's well, not, you know what it is. It's like this thing that know? I was listening to another podcast. Actually, it was Adam Carolla's podcast. Uh huh. And they had a guest on, and he's a big Star Wars fan. And one of their guys is also a big Star Wars fan. And they're like, "Oh, are you Star Trek?" And then they act. They were like, "Oh, Star Trek." No, 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 no. And they're like, "There's not a lot of crossover." I'm thinking, "What BS?" I said, "Most people that I know can like both." And in my case, I like both fairly equally yeah i mean different reasons start i always say star wars is like my the, the, the first girlfriend and then star trek is the wife that i married you know it's like I mean, yeah well, that's a star, good analogy but yeah star yeah. wars got me into sci-fi and Here's, star trek this is what i think about when people say stuff like that chris you know what i hear i always hear people who aren't real that are not really fans or don't really know a lot of fans <laughs> who say things like that that say basically yeah. it's like oil and water that oh you, you you like Star Trek well then you can't like Star Wars oh if you like Star Wars you can't like Star Trek the people that are really you know fans and, and people that like this kind of stuff for the most part just about all of them that I run into like both yeah. so and you know what I mean it's, <laughs> it's like and so there was B five DS so the, nine it's these people that think oh it, it, it's it's like are you a Democrat or a Republican and we are not going to talk about politics but I mean it's like you can't it isn't like that folks you can no. you can like Star Trek and you can like Star Wars yeah I mean then I remember and, and most fans do because they're both yeah. fun in their own way yeah. But it was like if you like Babylon Five, you can't like Deep Space. Nine. I watched them both. I love so Babylon I, Five. I, I own ba- Babylon the- Five. I, I I mean, especially you know with you know in the, in the in the once it got into some of the mid stuff with the with the war and everything Shadows, like it, yeah. yeah the shat oh my gosh I mean some of those things when it, it just I loved them and and they never at all seem similar to me. No, the, it, they they're really both did. they're both on a station. That was about it. That yeah. that was like the extent of, they never at all ever seemed similar to me. Very right. very different types of shows. So it's not it's not like uh, it, yeah. I mean they're both sci-fi. You said they're both sci-fi. They're both on stations. But good lord, I mean yeah, I know you know they're so different. And I mean B five. They say well D Space Nine had an arc and B five had you know they copied it from B five. But I mean come on. I mean listen, let's not split hairs here. I mean they're yeah. both great. I mean. I I love Babylon Five to death. I wish there was more Babylon Five. I wish they would explore that universe some more again. But yeah, I don't know if yeah. Warner Brothers has any interest in doing that? Yeah, maybe uh, someday they'll dust it off. They'll, yeah. You know, they, nothing nothing ever goes away. You know, in this genre very much, and uh, they'll dust it off. And you yeah. know, 
J.J. So, Abrams, you know, in about 10 or 20 years, he'll do a Babylon 5 movie or something. <laughs> I'd, I'd go see it. Because he seems to be basically the only guy in Hollywood that can do these things these days. At least they seem to think that. I mean, I you know, I just posted that the other day where they pretty much it, – it, it's it's flat out that they had offered him at least to do the Star Wars movies. And, and he said, no, said I, no I, I, I'm working on Star Trek, folks. I can't do both. And, yeah. and, I, and I started with Trek and I'm sticking with it. And, you know, I admire that. But uh, – but anyway, uh, yeah, no. So I just wanted to see what you have ever, what your opinion yeah. was, and what you've ever heard, because you never ever probably really learn the complete story. It's not like, and I don't think even even people on both sides of it ever really will know the complete right. story. You know, same I, thing I, with, I, with unfortunately, like, <laughs> with like Harlan Ellison and his whole beef with <laughs> Star Trek. I mean, he's an angry dude. Yeah, and, I like Harlan, but yeah, he, he get over it, Harlan. Okay, right. You know, you know what I mean. I, I did. You ever get that book about yeah. the cult? Oh yeah, forever. Yeah. That he. Uh, that's a cool book. Yeah, it is but a good book, were... and his original, some of his original ideas for the episode were pretty interesting and, and different yeah. too. But I like that. But running I mean, running drugs on the Enterprise. Yeah, yeah I can see fun. why they probably weren't really too keen on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I. But you know, somebody had got me that for Christmas, and I. I knew a while, long, many, what, fifteen years ago, maybe. I think yeah. I came, maybe something like that but what a, but but the original um story for that episode was so ambitious i was like oh my god for the 60s i couldn't imagine this being made it's crazy like the story yeah. the different storylines yeah. going on and different uh you know timelines it was pretty impressive yeah uh, he's a no he's he's a great author and uh but yeah it's it's um you'll always just hear different sides of it i try to just yeah. you know say you know you got to take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt and and just enjoy it what what you can i mean there are you know these people that become you know it's like well, like they say in uh you know only only a sith believes in absolutes or whatever right. whatever that phrase their line is from revenge of the sith but you know it's like I, I i the little lines you know that's what i love about this you know in sci-fi and fantasy i always have these little quotes basically running through my head and there's always something there's always a good one for something and 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 if you think you believe you you have the complete story on what really happened or what the deal between DS9 and Babylon 5 is well it, well send me an email at trekasavage@gmail.com <laughs> because i want to hear it and and i but to begin with i don't believe you <laughs> yeah. i don't think anyone will ever really completely know but i just enjoy them for what they are so and um uh, as a little aside um i'm going to i've been to a million conventions i'm sure you have too um and i'm going to say that the deep space 9 guests the ones that I've seen in person, uh-huh. yeah. they always just loved the show. You know what I mean? I could tell. You could tell from the way they talked about the show. And they're always super like, I don't know what it is. I'm not, I'm not trying to generalize. But like I yeah. went to, drag, to Dragon Con in Atlanta a few years ago and Avery Brooks was there. And it wasn't, he wasn't even like a big deal. They had him in, the, in like an autograph room. Yeah. And him, he was there with uh, Jake and uh, Michael Dorn was also there. Um, and... Avery Brooks comes walking in. I mean, it's so it was such a bizarre scene. My wife and I were there pretty early. We were just kind of hanging out, and then here comes Avery Brooks walking. I'm like, holy crap, it's Captain Cisco! And yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. of course, you know when George Decay walks in, everybody knows he's there. But it's just, but Avery Brooks just kind of walks in. Yeah. And I just happened to be standing by his table, and I was like, well, this is going to get an autograph out of the way real quick. Sweet, you know. And so he sits down, and he's just like, oh, hello. You know, he he yeah. is like. And before he's a unique his guy. voice is like yeah and how are and, you today and he and he's right. so sincere right yeah. yeah i had my um my my niners hat on my d space niners hat you know from the baseball episode yeah and he uh he does a double take he goes ah i like your hat you know and i'm like <laughs> yeah 
that's exactly so, how he talks too. Everything's yeah, sort of very, like that. Yeah, and he always kind of seems like he's there, but he's not a hundred percent there with you. He's <laughs> still somewhere else. Yeah, and he he, he signed a couple autographs for us, and uh, we, you know he there wasn't anybody else there, so he we were just kind of chatting with him, and he was just so. I mean, he, this is a the freaking captain of a Star Trek show. Yeah, so friendly, and I was saying to him, so oh, I said, oh, you know, look what time it is. I said, you're going to get a lunch break, and he looks at me, and goes. Is that customary? And I said, "Well, <laughs> lunch? I, I think so." <laughs> I mean, you want me to go get you a hamburger or something, Avery? Yeah. You know, what do you want a salad or what do you want? You know, I, I think maybe he was wondering if it was customary for them to bring him lunch. I didn't know. He was just—it was just a funny answer. My wife and I just kind of looked at each other and was like, "Well, I'm never going to forget that." I mean, yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. But I mean, the DS, and I mean, I've been to a few local ones where, like, I think Martok was there, and yeah, and they all seem to really just. Um, have a great feeling for the show and the people that worked on it. Definitely, and, yeah, I think so too. Um, yeah, and uh, so I have a really warm place in my heart for it. And of course, TNG is my first Star Trek sort of love, but DS Nine is really where I kind of came into my own and matured a little bit as a Star Trek fan, if you want to look at it that way. But if you know, listen, the TNG, you know, again, you yeah, can, you know, there's, you know, it's there's, iconic. Here's the thing: I think TNG is iconic. I think that DS Nine is like. A little bit more substance. Maybe if I could look at it. If you're looking, yeah. At it, I mean, they're all they're all great in their own you know respective ways. You know, you can't have you know you wouldn't want another. Uh, I don't think you'd really want another Star Trek series just like Deep Space Nine again. You know, that was kind of like its own unique thing, just yeah. like each of the shows are. That's kind of how I look at them sometimes. Where you know. Voyager was a bit different than any of the other ones, and, and Enterprise was a bit different than the, any of the other ones. And I always try to just sort of like, yeah, I can get into this. I kind of like this. I like, you know, I like the, you know, I like the fact the captain's got a dog on this show, <laughs> you know, and I like the way Seven of Nine fills out that cat suit, you know. Oh, yeah. wait a second. It's getting pretty late here. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's always, they each have their own kind of unique style to them a little bit, but. Yeah, Deep Space Nine, you're right about the actors, though. When you're, I've been to the, some conventions with some of them, and they're just really friendly. I was going to mention um, Terry Farrell I saw at a con, and she did this, this funny thing where she was uh, – I'm trying to think of who, who the other person was on stage. Was it Michael Dorn? It was somebody else from the cast. So somebody else from the cast was on stage, like Michael Dorn, or uh, I'm pretty sure it was him. Right. So then all of a sudden, and they're they're doing this question thing. It's, you know, an audience, and he's giving his little talk, question and answer thing. And then all of a sudden, kind of from the back of the room, from the back of the, you know, the hall or whatever, and it wasn't a huge place at all. It, it was, it was you know, a, a couple of movie theater sizes, if that, not very big. And then you hear this woman's voice, like, something that yells out this question, like, hey, hey, you know, whatever, whatever happened to your wife on that show, or I forget what she says, but it's <laughs> Terry Farrell, and she's just standing out in the audience, you know, like in the in in the question line back there, and, and and she's like, you know, boy, that Dax, she was really something on that show. I don't know what she said. I can't remember. I wish I would remember exactly, but it was some kind of joke like that. And and he, and he like looks out, and you know, there's a few lights on him, so he's having a little trouble, but he recognizes her voice, and he's like. You know, he says something like that in, in Doran's voice is like, Terry, get up here. You know, it's like <laughs> it was it was just. But again, that to me was like the way these people are. You know, this is how they uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Th- this is the kind of thing they really love doing the show. They love the you know the, their fellow castmates and all that stuff. And and I yeah. think that happened on all the shows. I think they you know the the TNG folks. There's been a lot of background stuff on the Blu-rays that have been coming out. They I love mean, each other. Good oh Lord. my God! You know these people are gonna like you know. They're going to be in the old Star Trek folks' home together. You know? <laughs> exactly. They, yeah, I think even uh, Marina Sirtis always says that. You know, she says we're yeah. going to all go to the old Trek star, you know, Trek uh, actors' home or whatever. But one uh, of the uh, the cool, one more thing on a convention. One of the coolest things I ever saw at a convention, as far as just funny, was um, it was a local convention down here in Southwest Florida. So it wasn't very big. I think we had maybe a couple hundred people that were there. But we had some. Uh, uh, one of the guests was J.G. Hertzler, who was Martok. Yeah. And now the group I was uh, in, we were also sort of, we were friends with the Klingon group that were down in a town about 40 miles away. And apparently, so the Klingon group had gotten together, J.G. Herschel showed up, and they took him out drinking. The <laughs> like hardcore drinking with the, with the Klingons. And so in, so, so he, it was time in the, in the next day for his uh, presentation. Yeah. Yeah. They bring him in. All the Klingons carry him in on a surfboard. He's standing on the surfboard. Oh my gosh! Right? They carry him. They're doing like this Klingon chant thing. I mean, it was. Crazy. Oh my gosh! They carry him in. He's on the surfboard, like riding it, like you know, wow. like a silver surfer or something. He then, when they bring him up to the stage, he jumps off of the surfboard and rolls onto the stage. Wow. And like gets up and he's like everybody's going crazy, and like so then one of the guys come up come stand by me and I'm like hey that was pretty cool they go yeah he was drinking with us till three in the morning last holy night. cow <laughs> and, and so when he was signing autographs he had dark he had sunglasses on yeah uh, and like, he did not take them off but like he was nobody a riot. talk really loud okay just me he was yeah. a riot yeah no they're so, uh, they're good guys and uh, you know I I'd, uh, I kind of miss it, you know. They, they've—I don't know about down by. You're in Florida, and I'm in Michigan, but you know, we used to have more local, smaller conventions up here back in the day, back in the good old days. I like to say, and uh, and and we just don't have those anymore. You know, you have to go to the bigger cons. That the, the smaller ones have really kind of gone away, and I kind of miss that. And uh, do you guys get any smaller ones still we, we these, do, these actually. days? Yeah. Last year, uh, Patrick Stewart showed up, to, and Larry Nimoy have both been to a smaller one up in Tampa. Oh. I mean, I want to say smaller. It's still sizable because it's in yeah, Tampa. Yeah, but it's not but like you're at San Diego Comic-Con new, new, or whatever. And, yeah. and, and, and those are the ones we used to have here. We don't have, like you said, we don't have them as much because, like, that's a lot of money to uh, run to do these conventions. And it's yeah. a, lot of, a lot of headache. Yeah. And I think it's just, it was hard for these guys to make a profit. Uh, especially the smaller folks. Oh yeah, but, there's a there's a you know you could do a we could definitely do a and maybe we should do that sometime. That that's a good one. Well, I, I'll make sort of a semi promise because I only I, it's a ninety nine percent promise we'll call it. But we need to get uh, you and a couple other people uh, uh, from the forum or whoever else would like to participate and just do like a con. We'll call it Trek Con memories or oh, or just or just like convention memories. We won't just call it Trek maybe. And they, yeah, yeah that, I'm going to write that down right now on my little like future podcast, and and we'll do that because I think that I, you guys and I, I've enjoyed hearing your, what you've just had to say, and and I, I've got a bunch of stories of of things like that to to just and I, and some of them I've sprinkled in through podcasts as time has gone on, but you know I always like to sprinkle in the one about you know meeting uh, Data in the in the men's restroom. That was <laughs> me and Brent Spiner there with our zippers. I mean, never mind. Okay, we definitely got to wrap this show yeah, up. <laughs> definitely, but I mean, we. I know that I could probably even talk Mr. To my Tricorder. Wife. <laughs> I, exactly. My yeah. wife. And I have plenty of memories of getting into. Uh, 
Uh, I'll get it. Well, I'm going to save this story. Yeah, for that. definitely but, save but, it. Yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to sometime in the next couple of months. We're going to do a convention oh memories. Uh, that. That's that a good, good one. Good idea. And I think, uh, well, this has been fun. I don't know what else to say about Deep Space Nine. Twenty years. I, I want to just. I'm going to. I think you know what. I'm going to go. Uh, it's pretty late now. I'm going to go up and uh, get ready for bed. I'm going to grab my iPad and I'm going to pull up uh, Netflix and watch an episode. I think and. I'll probably fall asleep halfway through it, but uh, I did you know. it all week with DS Nine, and I tell you, um, I I twenty years. I guess if you want to say thirteen years since it's been off the air, but twenty years hasn't dulled it at all. I think that I'm hoping that they do a, a Blu-ray release. So I want to see this show get the TNG treatment. I think. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope they continue that. You know, it, it's great that they're doing you know uh, TNG now, and they're they're going to do Enterprise. Enterprise is easy, I guess, because it was done in HD. It was filmed in yep. high def. But I do hope they they are able to continue. You know, and this is another reason why we got to keep these J.J. Abrams movies. You know, making blockbuster money because this all means people still like Trek. So that means that they will go back and go, hey. Somebody will buy this stuff. So uh, I don't know if you've noticed. I mean, D- a TNG has got been a lot more in the uh, sort of public eye lately because of these Blu-rays. I yeah. think that yeah. I'm noticing a lot more sort of, you know, or in like public prices you know, have like, come down on those two a little bit. People, the first two seasons, and then the um, they're going to do. I think the next one it comes out in um, April. I think it's April. Uh, yeah. yeah, and there, and that's just and if you're a Star Trek fan, there's no better way to spend your money if you even if you have to save up a little. Yeah, I mean, well, they're not pulling them out too much. I've heard they're going to spend at least about a couple of years putting them out. You know, they're not like coming out every other week or something like that. And it's so. so worth it. I mean, I, I I I'm not a fan of the first season. The first season sort of took me out of TNG for a while, but I yeah. sat down and I sucked up every episode, and I was like, you know what? It's just a it's a beautiful. They did a beautiful job, and and again, like you say, we gotta we gotta support the movie. Movies. We gotta support these Blu-rays. If you if you like this stuff and you want to see more of it, well, yeah. Sometimes as a fan, you got to put down some of your money and say, "Listen, this yeah. is what I like. This is what I want to see more of." Yeah, and it's and, not really that. You know, it's all. It's kind of like we all just do a little bit of it. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah. we're all. You know, you know, go. You know, watch the movie. What? So what? You spend even if you go see it at night, ten dollars or something like that. You know, it's right. not. It's not. Uh, it's you know. A little bit will go a long way. So, well, this was a lot of fun, Chris. I really enjoyed yes. it, and uh, it's a good series. And you know, maybe maybe one day, you know, uh, we didn't even get into, and I'm not even gonna. I'm just gonna say we, we could have talked about. You know, there's a whole bunch of books out there. Obviously, I was gonna, yeah. uh, but I was gonna. What popped into my head is, you know, maybe one day we will get a chance to see some of these characters again in some way or something like that. You know, anything can happen. It's Star Trek, so. Uh, I mean, they put Kirk in in TNG. You know, they managed to do that. You know, so uh, and Spock so was we'll in the see. new uh, Star last well, Star Trek movie. Exactly. Right. No reason why we can't see some of our old favorites, at least in some kind of capacity. It would be yeah. Great. Yeah. No. There's uh, there's lots of possibilities. You know, that's what's great about sci-fi and and Trek and and all that. So um, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, I guess we could say. I don't know when this comes out. What's oh, Man from Atlantis will be the next week. That's that's what's coming up after that. That'd be cool. Which is going to be fun. Which is going to be a lot yeah. of fun. And I, I got a lot of uh, cool ideas to do uh, some different things for that show. So, all right, everyone, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye bye. Bye. Hey, just a quick little epilogue here. Um, our good friend Will Eagle from the Treks and Sci-Fi Forum sent me a comment after Rico and I had recorded, so I wanted to make sure that I fit this in uh, at the end. 
Uh, thank him for uh, hey, thanks for commenting and uh, thanks again, Rico. We had that was a really fun conversation. Um, really enjoyed it. Uh, see you guys later. And here's Will. Deep Space Nine. I am so glad you guys are covering this series because it is my favorite, slightly behind TOS. Luckily, I've been able to watch it on Netflix, and me and the wife Lucy watch about two to three episodes a week. And I'm so glad it's on there because I can just go there anytime I want to and watch any episode on any season. We are currently at season four because we are trying to watch it in order. Some of my favorite things about Deep Space Nine are Benjamin Sisko's relationship with his son. I think the writers and actors did a great job with that in the series. I always liked it how Sisko would go up to his son and hug him or kiss him on the head when they were talking, um, even when he got older in the later seasons. I also enjoyed the Bashir and O'Brien friendship, because I liked how it kind of started from nothing and ended up being one of the strongest relationships in the, in the show. Also, I liked how some of the characters became couples in the show, like Dax and Worf and Odo and Kira. Because I met my wife at work, so it can happen even if you're on a space station. Also, my favorite ship in all of Star Trek is the Defiant. It slightly beats out the TOS version of the Enterprise from the movies. Um, I always liked that um, ship when it was on the show, whether they were just flying around or if they were shooting the bad guys. Well, okay, I probably liked it more when they were shooting at the bad guys. But that was my favorite ship. And when it showed up on the First Contact movie, I thought that was pretty awesome. So, I could keep going on and on about different things about Deep Space Nine because, again, it's um, such a great show and there's so many cool things about it, including characters like Garrick. And I could just go on and on, but I won't. But I do appreciate you guys covering such a great series. Thank you.